Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, CD. How are you doing? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm thrilled to have Matthew Rocchio back from Detroit. He, Detroit. He is back. Basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how was it? It was awesome. The, Pist- the Pistons game specifically and, and getting to go to my first NBA game was incredible. You you know about like it wasn't a mystery to me, but when you're in the arena and they're playing music throughout the entire game, it's just a different experience than you ever have because it's so you it's so noticeably abrupt when you're at a slew game or a blues game when they cut the music right when play starts again. And so that just keep going and, and the the vibe it creates in the in the stadium, it was it was really impressive. That's pretty cool. Guys, one of the things that I did this weekend is uh, we we tend to work ahead during the holiday season and department stores now, Christmas is over for them. So like all the artificial trees are half price. So we were going out to get a tree for next year. Okay. 30 to nothing at halftime. And I tell my daughter who's watching the game, I said, well, this should seal it for Jeff Saturday. (laughs) He's he's got that job locked up. Yeah, Go out and get a tree. I get home, and no, that's not really the case on Saturday. There's a little bit of a difference, huh? (laughs) You know, I'm watching that game, and I'm just like, wow. Matt Ryan, I I can't put it all on him because I think it was some very poor play calling. There was an opportunity that they had down near the goal line towards the end of the first half. And they did not take any pass attempts. I, I I don't think they put it in the air one time. And um, Nate Burleson, who was calling the game, said, "Oh, it's okay. It's it's they got three points. It's a safe safe call. No big deal. Put them up thirty three to nothing." And I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, you would think that, but anytime you have a chance to score a touchdown, and you have a former." Uh, MVP, league MVP, maybe a potential Hall of Famer. He, I mean, he might be right there on the line. I think yeah, he will he's be. He's had a really good career. He, he, he has. Um, and you don't get, let him throw the ball down there in that, in, that, in that red zone area, and you take a field goal, and everyone seems to be cautiously okay with it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a terrible decision, and it proved to be probably the, one of the worst decisions of, of many bad decisions that they had throughout the entire game. And the Minnesota Vikings, man, I, I don't know. You know, I keep I keep wanting to think that they are not good. I keep wanting to believe that they are they are not real. Mm-hmm. 
but they keep finding ways to They're win. Amazing. Don't yeah. waver. Don't and waver on that carry. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold right here in this in this gray area of, of how I think about the Minnesota Vikings, but they keep winning. Yeah, and and you can't you cannot knock a team that finds ways to win, even if it's even if it's ugly. That first half was terrible. Yep. That we, second half was amazing. Kerry, we know here in St. Louis, we've talked about it, how the death of Oscar Tavares caused the Cardinals to scramble, maybe for a half dozen years. They go, have to go out and trade for Jason Hayward. They wind up signing uh, Dexter, and that wound up being a bad signing. There were some other question, trading for Marcelo Zuna, yeah. having to get the bat so you give up Alcantara to get right. Ozuna when you would have had uh, Tavares a- as a hitter. And... and I would argue that if Matheny would have had Tavares, that kind of changes the dynamic of what he's doing if Tavares was what they expected. I think the retirement of Andrew Luck has done the same thing to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, they've been spiraling. I mean, yeah. they they have had uh, Jacoby Brissett started games. You've had Phillip Rivers start games. Carson Wentz. You've had a, a, a just a plethora of quarterbacks come in there mm-hmm. trying to replace the guy that you thought was going to be the guy to replace your, your all-time great and paid many and Andrew Luck, you know, all of a sudden decides I don't want to have any more lacerated kidneys or spleens potentially ripped out of my body and I'm getting hit, beat up every single weekend. It's a bit much. And so he says I'm done. And and as you said, the the Colts have been kind of in a tailspin since that moment trying to figure out how or who is going to replace him. The Blues are at Vancouver tonight, 8.30 pregame, 9.30 faceoff here on 101 ESPN. We will be tired tomorrow morning, and hopefully we're happily tired. The Blues have won three in a row, and that, gentlemen, constitutes a winning streak. And it has been <laughs> done. It has happened before. <laughs> so they, they were terrific, uh, and I did not expect them to be terrific and to come away with a 5-2 victory on Friday night in, uh, in Calgary, but they did. And so we'll take it. They handled Jacob Markstrom, who's a really good goalie. And that's despite the losses of Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk. What they got back in return and then the signing of Kadri makes them a pretty good hockey team. So that's an impressive win for the Blues. What are you, Randy? What, where, who, who are we? I refuse to make any more predictions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do not know. I don't think they know. It's it's. It, that the, you, you're probably hitting the nail on the head. I don't know that they know who they are. I think they know who they can be, who they. But but at times they show the exact opposite of, of what we see or what we've seen over these last three games. You saw it during the seven game win streak, but then you didn't see it for eight games in a row. It's it's so many ups and downs and twists and turns. And if you are a Blues fan, just buckle your seatbelt up and hold on. I don't. I can't tell you where this roller coaster ride is going to go. I, I don't know if it's going to stay on the tracks is, or not. This is Space Mountain. <laughs> it's completely dark inside. You it's don't a, know. It's not like the Screaming Eagle or whatever, whatever you we got. See during, it. Yeah, yeah. You can't even see what's going on. You what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen. So just buckle up, hold on. Uh, hopefully we're, we stay on pace, on track, and, and everything stays and goes well. But yeah, you never know. Kerry, I was at the Demetrius Johnson Charitable Foundation Christmas party yesterday at Union Station during the World Cup championship game between Argentina and France. And everybody that I've talked to and people that I've read on social media say it's the best sporting event they've ever seen. Really? Yep. And uh, a a hat trick for Mbappe, an incredible performance by uh, Lionel Messi. And I guess if I would have been watching, I would say, you're going to have your biggest game end on penalty kicks? I would have done that. But... For the people that are really into soccer, it, 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 close game, more scoring than most soccer games, Mbappe scoring two in a minute and a half, pretty incredible. 
my preference is to see games, especially championship games, end with the real rules in place. But that is their real rules. Right. They, their, their rules for years have been to end it on penalty kicks like that. Well, I was thinking about it. And I, I, I mean, sometimes it takes 90 minutes for a goal to happen in soccer. And there's a lot of running in soccer. So if you were to extend the game another 15, 20, 30 minutes, who's to say if, A, if anyone scores, or B, that everyone stays up on their feet and mm-hmm. doesn't pass out? Because there is so much running involved in soccer that I don't know that you can have an extended period of time where you allow guys to just, I, they, they would fall over. Cut the field in half. Cut the field in half <sighs> and play with three, three on three. They were about to fall over. And the crazy thing is, is they extended the use of substitutions. I thought they were the best conditioned athletes in the world. Well, they, they, they were running for a long time, Randy. So do marathoners. That's a fair point. They, they fall have, out they, after the race, though. They don't, they, don't have to kick a, they don't have to kick a ball the entire time, either. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Or, or you know, get, they have to get up and down so many times, yeah. you know? Um, it's just those they're dead on their feet. And, and it's the weirdest thing in the world. They weren't all... I mean, France and Argentina at the end of the game, I think, still both had substitutions left. And both of them looked dead on their feet at the end of the game. The weirdest thing I've ever seen from from soccer managers who have you know twenty world class players sitting mm-hmm. behind them is just to be like nah Good point. I'm gonna let guys just like die on their feet out there yeah so but it, for the world's game and it is far and away the most popular game in the world what a compelling end to a World Cup they couldn't have asked for anything better that's what you if you wanted to gain more fans more fans here especially in America I know mm-hmm. across the world it is it is the number one sport but here we have other sports that we we have a different type of football that yes, we, we, we take to on on Sundays that uh, people are interested in but if you I want are, to see the World Cup of that <laughs> You know you know, uh, Randy. Uh, yeah. I, I, I do. There's, uh, there's that would be a, like the, hey, the dream team. There's a league in Italy. I'll never forget Charles Barkley, elbowing <laughs> an Angolan guy. It was great. There's a league in Italy. Uh, they play a different kind of th- in, down in Australia. And then there's the CFL. And you, you don't, I think you don't we tapped need... out what, what the World Cup would be. Yeah. It used to be NFL Europe, but those were, were players from, from here. Right. A lot of them. Yeah, and I don't uh, want anything to do with Australian fans, by the way. Did you see that? Holy that, cow. Oh, oh my yeah, they God. They the goalie. Yeah. I forgot about that. I, yeah. So I'm watching this, and, you know, I, I, I fancy myself as a tough kind of guy. There's a point in life where you see 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 150 people rushing at you. You need to go the other way. Mm-hmm. There's not that much toughness in the world. Australians don't have fight or flight. He, just, he clearly, nothing in his brain not, it's not in until Australians. he got hit nope. with that tin can upside his head. Then he realized, yeah. oh, this is serious. they're real. They're really angry yeah. at me. Yeah. I need to go the other way. They could have killed him. Yeah. And he stood there. As if not, he, he stood there like he was Chris Rock. Like he didn't realize something bad was imminent danger was approaching. I was, I was, I was totally thrown off. I'm like, you don't see them. They're, they're come. Oh my God. That is a mob approaching you, sir. Again, remember the video when the guy jumped out of his car and fought the, and like punched the kangaroo who was like, t- like who was like hurting his dog. Yeah, Australians, that's different. Australians have a different it's thing amazing. about them. You gotta protect your dog. Yeah, you different Unreal. thing about them. But that yeah. gentleman. You expect me to back down in front of a mob? No, he, thank you, sir. If he thought he was concussed before, he definitely was. I, I, he had <laughs> to have been concussed before, yeah. but definitely after. Yep. American football, congratulations to the Chiefs. They clinched their seventh straight AFC West title with an overtime win over Houston. Jarek McKinnon with the game-winning touchdown run. And the Dallas Cowboys also clinched the playoff spot last night, but not before Jacksonville made it fun for us. Third and four. Blitz coming. Prescott throws backwards. And Intercepted. Jenkins has another one. Racing down the sidelines. Rayshon Jenkins is going to win it. 
Rayshon Jenkins with the pick six against Dak Prescott. And Jacksonville is hot as they knock off the Cowboys, who last night were able to clinch a playoff spot. College basketball Saturday, St. Louis U gets a team-high 17 from Uri Collins, nine assists for number one. And the Bills beat Drake, 83-75. Carries fighting Illini, a 68-47 win over Alabama A&M. Just got to get yourself ready and prepped for the Bragging Rights game. Yeah, yeah, we're ready. Yeah. We're ready to roll. And Mizzou plays UCF and knocks off the UCF at the buzzer thanks to DeAndre Golston's buzzer beater. Johnson spins it out for Young. In and out. Final seconds. Hodge moving down. Fell. Throws it over for Golston. That was a prayer, but he hit it. Open a prayer. Yep. It, it happens. I mean, you know. Hey, sometimes the banks open at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's convenient I mean, for the people. There's moms out there. They, they've been in a busy week. Teams have won NCAA championships on less. Darn right. right. Teams have lost uh, NCAA games on less seconds. Yeah, right. And then right. Tyus Edney. Yeah, Tyus Edney. Uh, <laughs> That was that Northern. was that was the dirtiest yeah. thing. That was that was the most uncalled. I took a pretty uncalled for shot at Illinois on Thursday before I left. There you go. That was that was ten times more uncalled for. How dare you, sir? What's you saying? You know what's or really bad about State? That? God, Which you northern mother. Northern Northern Iowa and Norfolk State were worse because Tyus Edney wasn't a prayer. I mean, that was just a legit yeah, play where Mizzou terrible, didn't play defense. They did not. They didn't realize the small guy had the ball and was running down the court with it. Four point eight seconds. He was going 4. fast. Point eight. <laughs> hey, we're off and running on this edition of the opening drive. Matthew's already mad. Coming up. was a low blow by Cody. I swear to God, if you, if you, make, a, you make a fifth down drug, I'm coming across the table. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, I, I was talking to Mike Jones yesterday about fifth down. Or was it the I, kick six? Was yeah. that one? They, they, they were both awesomely horrible. Yeah. Oh. I this. think I was at that game, the Nebraska game. Oh man, I, was, I believe I was there for like. Not a surprised thing. that you brought bad luck to Mizzou. Yeah, unreal. unreal. <laughs> Not my fault. Coming Coming up, all you do is run the triple option. <laughs> yeah, three things we loved about the weekend on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> It's time for three things we loved about the weekend. CD, take it away. Number three. So I don't know if you all saw this. Well, you all saw it, but I don't know if anyone else saw this. The Miami Heat were uh, fined $25,000 on Wednesday for improperly designating the uh, players on their injury list. So the, the Heat had a game Saturday versus the San Antonio Spurs. So what the Heat organization decided to do prior to that game was list everyone <laughs> on the injury list. Every <laughs> single person on the team was on the injury list for the game versus the San Antonio Spurs in Mexico City. I personally love things like that. That is Pat Riley, Eric Spolster saying, oh, you're going to fine us for, for making a mistake or, 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 you know, maybe intentionally, whatever. So everyone's hurt. Figure it out. Yeah. Everyone's hurt. I don't know who's going to play. You all, we'll, we'll decide when we get to the arena. And what are you going to do? Fine us? <laughs> we're hurt. <laughs> we're, we're abiding by the rules here. Everyone hey. is hurt. Yeah, is, somebody, we, we, somebody was on with a sore knee. We're 20, we're 30 some odd games yeah. into the season. We're all banged up. <laughs> what do you mean? 
thought that was also, also, again, we have to, have to remember, why is the NBA mad about them screwing up the injury report? Oh, because it, it ticks off the betters. Money! That's the only reason. In the fact that they're getting... I'm sure Pat Riley was like, that. okay, fine. You want to find us for some non-basketball BS, we'll, we'll come at you with some non-basketball BS. <laughs> Everyone's hurt. So we don't have many great... Nicknames in basketball these days. We used to have Air Jordan. We used to have Wilt the Still. We used to have the Big O. We don't have those anymore. We have one great nickname, and it's Street Clothes. (laughs) And he just has not been playing along with us in 2022-2023. Well, Anthony Davis, who's been playing great lately, underwent an MRI Saturday and is undergoing more evaluations, but he is going to be out for weeks, not days, with a right foot injury. It's the Lakers. One of the things I love about the weekend is that street clothes is back, baby. (laughs) You know, I think his body is just too big for him. Like, you know, they said he grew like eight or nine inches, I think, over one summer. Like, maybe his body grew too fast and the bones or all of the structural things that you need to to walk and be that big and that heavy. Maybe it just didn't didn't form correct because he's always hurt. He He falls and he's like, big man, fall down. It it looks like it's going to hurt getting up from him. Back in the day, in the 70s, when Bill Walton came out of UCLA and went to Portland, he was hurt all the time. And his, his feet hurt all the time. And finally... Finally, they figured it out and they did some surgery and got him feeling better. And he said, oh, I just thought everybody's feet hurt all the time. Because <laughs> he, he didn't know. He was a big man. He was accustomed to, to being in pain. Right. How about Zion? Zion's still the heaviest guy in the league. I, and I can't imagine that his feet are ever going to be healthy, right? No, no. You, you, you put that much weight and that much jumping coming up. The, Randy, going up is not the bad part. Coming down coming is. Down. It, that's the part that, that over time... Your bones and your knees and your ankles start to ache and and just unimaginable. A pain you can't understand. And you'll see it three or four times a game. Street clothes. <laughs> number two. So, Randy, you may like the, my number two. It was a game yesterday between the New England Patriots and the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. And it was tied. 0-0. Zero, zero. Patriots had an opportunity to to try. I mean, 24-24 with zero seconds left. Patriots had an opportunity to try to go down and, and potentially get in field goal range or, or, you know, maybe make one of those Hail Mary type of plays. What they decided to do was just, I, I, I can't even describe it. Mac Hollins out on defense. He's all the way back. Uh, Stevenson. Well, is anyone going to? inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Oh, it's picked off. Oh, oh no! Unbelievable! Oh wow! Incredible! Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. <laughs> twenty-four to twenty-four, Randy. They weren't losing. <laughs> if you just go down, it goes into overtime, sir. Myers decides to throw it back to Mac Jones of all people, yeah. <laughs> and Chandler Jones picks it off and goes and scores the game-winning touchdown. To loot that, that to me is a a prime example of a Bill Belichick team. Bill Belichick coach team the exact opposite of what we would expect. We would never expect those type of mistakes from a team that Bill Belichick is coaching. They understand game time. They have awareness of game situations. That was the most unaware situation I have ever seen on a football field. That was not a very well-drilled squad at the end of that game yesterday. Randy, it's tied. Yep. You do that if you're losing and, and you, you have to score. And, and as a coach, you reinforce 
hey, we're just going to try to get to, you called a running play. We're just trying to get to overtime. Just get down. Kerry, Bill Belichick now, without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback, as a head coach in the NFL, is 76 and 86. That's a 469 winning percentage. Without Tom Brady. That's not great. Ray Rhodes had a 469 winning percentage. Ah. Identical. Forrest Gregg had a 469 winning percentage. Without Tom Brady as his starting quarterback, Bill Belichick is in winning percentage behind Ted Marchabroda. He's behind Lovey Smith. He's behind Rex Ryan. He's behind Dan Devine. He's behind Norv Turner. Norv Turner had a career 483 winning percentage without Tom Brady as his quarterback. Without Tom Brady as his as his quarterback, Bill Belichick is 76 and 86, 469. So we are well we are well into the fact that if Tom Brady is on your team, you're a championship coach, and if not. What is Jeff Fisher's record? Five twelve. <laughs> Jeff Fisher has a five twelve winning percentage without Tom Brady as a saw, starting quarterback. We all saw Jeff Fisher up close and personal, so you know. Yeah, and, and he was bad. Man, and really and bad. Belichick without Brady, he's bad. Uh, he's overrated. Well, maybe the most overrated coach in the history of sports. Wow. Jeff Fisher won thirteen games with Kerry Collins. I don't think Bill Belichick could have done that. Won ten in a row too. Uh, CD, my number two is along the same lines. So as we mentioned, I was tuned in at halftime of the Colts game. And uh, there was actually a font on NFL Network that said no team has ever come back from 33 points down in an NFL game. And lo and behold, Kirk Cousins leads his team back. 36-yard line, back to pass, green left to Dalvin. Turns it up outside the numbers to the 40. Gets to the 50. He- and he's loose! Oh, Dalvin, 20 to the left. 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Four-yard touchdown, and he had to drag a Colt into the end zone. 36-34, Indy, 2.15 to go. And, Kerry, I'm like you. Actually, I think I like uh, Kirk Cousins more than the most. But he goes 34 of 54 for 460 and threw four touchdowns. Granted, he did have the two picks. But the fact of the matter is the team was down 33-0, and they wound up winning the game. And Kirk Cousins was the guy who was leading the charge. They were. They were. I was listening to something earlier on the way in. They were down 29 points with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I guess Patrick Peterson told them at halftime, Hey, we're going to go out here and get some stops. You just got to go score five <laughs> touchdowns. And they were like, oh, is he serious? <laughs> is this a joke or is he? Is this is this a real thing? And I guess he was, telling, he was honest. But the fact that you allow them back into that game – they the, the the coach became so cautious in their game in their in how they ran their plays in their play calling. They did not take many opportunities. They did not take many chances. And there were some drop passes from some people. Mm-hmm. It was just a bad game for the Colts. It started off great and ended as as badly as, as poorly as as a game could end. And don't look now because the Vikings already have Justin Jefferson, but somebody named K.J. Osborne had 10 for 157 and a touchdown. So they've got three receivers plus a tight end plus a couple of running backs. They, they, they and are an going, offensive line. Darisaw had a few cramp problems, but Darisaw can play. They are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, if their defense can find a way to stop people early and not allow 33 points and a half, it, it, it'll be some better games for the, for the Vikings in the future. Number one. So my number one is uh, my son plays. He plays football. We talked about him. Mm-hmm. And he plays basketball as well. So they do different sessions. So the winter session, their team went seven and zero. 
They won their last game last night, and Randy, they won 50 to 0. <laughs> 50 points for a 10 year old. I'm sorry, they got, they, got, they got a shutout in basketball game? <laughs> Shut out! I thought a twenty-one zero. You stopped the game. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's that's only in uh in in blackjack. Yeah, blackjack or twenty-one or yeah, some one of those other games. Madden, you, you, but uh, fifty to zero. Uh, great performance by the young men. Three D. Shout out to those guys. Uh, the ten Fox coach Foxworth. You know, great job coaching the kids. Fifty to nothing to to seal the the season for the the, the winter session. What was what was Little Davis's line? Uh, I think he had he well he hit the first three of the game. I think oh, he had I six or seven points. Uh, a couple of he he rebounds his butt off. Plays great defense. Um, he did a great okay, job. Okay, no. you taught him how to rebound with high bows, right? You got to go up and get it. He, he's very athletic. It's 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 fun to watch him. He's not the tallest kid just yet, but he is. Uh, he he plays and and plays with great athleticism. Moves his feet and he he listens sometimes. Not all uh-huh. the time. Is he like dad and that he likes basketball better than football? He does. Well, uh-huh. you know what? I don't know. Because we were sitting there watching the football game yesterday, and we were watching, I forget what team it was, um, but they ran like an in-and-out route, a China route. And he's like, oh, dad, he didn't sell it in far enough. The DB jumped it. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. All right. <laughs> he did. You're and, correct. Kerry, <laughs> uh, my number one is... We talk so much about college sports these days, and I say leave college out of it because this is just sports. It's not college. But Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, Billikens guard Gibson Jimerson graduated, walked through the line at St. Louis University, and then that night scored 17 points, including the 1,000th point of his career. And for as much as we talk about the transfer portal and how leave, uh, just leave the school part of it out of it, there are still schools and athletes that make academics a part of college athletics. And his parents, obviously, should be very proud that they have a college graduate. And SLU should be very proud that they have a kid, and most of their kids do graduate, but he graduated during the day and then played at night. That's the essence of what it's supposed to be. Well, that's what college sports is. You, you, I think so many people go to college and have no real understanding for how hard it is to be a student and an athlete, the, the amount of attention, the amount of time that is required to do all of those things, to be able to graduate in the morning and, and then reset and get ready for a game that night. You know, it, it's a testament to all of the college athletes and how much work they have to do in order to be successful both on the field or on the court and off. A couple of weeks ago, St. Louis U honored the memory of Rick Majerus on the 10th anniversary of his death, and they brought back a bunch of his former players. Like, four of his former players are doctors. <laughs> That's a lot of school. <laughs> that is. That is. That's three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a couple of perennial NFL losers are looking good. What do we believe? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Kerry, in 65 seasons, the last 65 seasons, that the last time the Detroit Lions won a championship was 1957. Oh. Most most people weren't alive no. that are alive in America or in the world now. Most people weren't alive last time the Lions won a championship. In those 65 seasons, the Lions have been in the playoffs, 12 of them, and they've won a playoff game in one of them. In 65 years, the Lions have won one playoff game, exactly one. Last time they made the playoffs, 
2016, when they lost in the wild card game, Jim Caldwell was their coach. Yesterday, they were able to pick up a big win over the Jets, and we'll tell you why it was a big win after you hear what they did in the last two minutes. Trying to keep this drive alive. Goff. Little pitch to right. Big game. Brock Wright is going to take it the distance. Touchdown, Lions. The Jets were completely fooled. And the Lions regain the lead, 51 yards. And the Lions wound up winning the game over the Jets, 20-17, to and carry for the first time in five years. The Lions are at the 500 mark this late into the season, and at 7-7, seven and seven, they have a chance to make the playoffs. This is, I mean, they are a team, they have won six of their last seven games. They are... Brock Wright is a name I, I don't even know that I heard as a tight end. I don't know how many touchdowns he has. That may have been his first touchdown of the year. Um, but you you got guys, this offense for the Detroit Lions, I, I talked about it last week and the last couple of weeks. They have so many weapons. They have so many guys. You got two running backs in Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. You got receivers in Amon Ross St. Brown. And you got Jamison Williams coming off of injuries. Mm-hmm. Chark is there. They have a lot of, of, of weapons. And they add TJ Hawkinson. And Jared Goff is a guy that we continuously say, oh, they're going to draft a quarterback. Are they? They don't need to. They probably don't need to. They've done an outstanding job in the draft uh, the last few years with, with Aiden Hutchinson last year and, and Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. Those guys are playing well and starting on the defense as rookies. They are a team that has the potential to be very dangerous. Maybe not this year. They, I do believe that they definitely have an opportunity to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they make a big run. But you are setting yourself up. The foundation that they have laid for this for this organization is going to lead them and last for, for, for multiple years. And they have the, right now the number four pick in the draft from the Matthew Stafford trade with the Rams. And you mentioned trading Hawkinson. They get a number two back. So they've got four picks in the first two rounds to add to this good young group. Right. You you you're doing they have so many they 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 are they are so well uh, uh, ran right now mm-hmm. and, and Dan Campbell what he's you, doing think about that the, De- Detroit Lions <laughs> say that sentence again they are so well ran <laughs> right now which uh, Randy is that the longest streak of of years without a a not not we talk about not winning championships mm-hmm. all the time I'm talking about playoff appearances. One win in 65 years. That's, that's it. That's all they have. That, I mean, we had the Cardinals here, and the Cardinals never won a playoff game. But at least they they went to a Super Bowl. Yes. Right? So yeah, it's uh, it's one of the most dismal organizations in sports. That is that is terrible. But the fact that they are playing so well right now, you got two first round picks next next draft. I, I'm just excited to see how they use this and where they go and which ways they go to add to this team because they are they are on a track to be a very, very good football team. Five years ago, the Jacksonville Jaguars were in the AFC Championship game and they had New England. They had New England beat, collapsed in the fourth quarter and didn't win. On that team, they had six Pro Bowl defenders and within two years, they were all gone. They had gotten rid of all of them. Well, now... Jacksonville is bouncing back under their new head coach, Doug Peterson. Yesterday, the Jaguars were down by a score of uh, 34-27 to late, and Trevor Lawrence wound up bringing them back, tying the game, and then they win it in OT. Third and four, blitz coming. Prescott throws backwards, and intercepted! Jenkins has another one, racing down the sidelines! Rayshon Jenkins is going to win it! 
and Rayshon Jenkins did win it for Jacksonville. The Jaguars all of a sudden are 6-8, and eight, a game out of the lead in their division, and a game behind a wildcard playoff spot, too. They are they, you, a game out of the lead in the division. 7-7 seven seven Tennessee. This is the part that is mind-blowing to me because Tennessee has, has really given every opportunity for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars to get back into this into this division. Um, Rashawn Jenkins had two interceptions, and Randy, he had 18 tackles. Wow. wow. <laughs> he was everywhere. The game-winning touchdown. This young man, I mean, he, he, he was all over the field. Yeah. And so this team, the way that they're playing um, – Trevor Trevor Lawrence had a big Playing fumble. Great. He had a yeah. big fumble, which almost lost him the game. And he was he was trying to make a play, but but had a big fumble. They were able to get the ball back and then made a strike. I think to Zay Jones to get them a chance to get kick the field goal to go into overtime. Zay Jones had three touchdowns. They are playing extremely well offensively and defensively, and and they're a team that it's amazing, Randy. When you when it, just last year. You were looking at this franchise, at this organization, and saying, blow it up. Disaster. Trevor Lawrence is terrible. He'll never be great. Travis Etienne was out for the mm-hmm. year with a foot injury. He didn't play in a game. You're like, this team is going to be the worst team ever. The head coach, the leadership of that team, of that organization at the time, was a terrible individual. They removed him from the situation. They bring in a steady adult who runs offense and does a great job in Doug Peterson. And now you see the fruits of that labor. They are they are they are playing extremely well, and they're going to be a team to to, to contend with the, in the AFC South for years to come as and well. Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. I want to throw one more team in there here. We've talked about Detroit. We've talked about Jacksonville. It is instinctive for you to root against the Cleveland Browns. I cannot root for Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I was watching them the other night, and I, I, maybe if they're playing the Patriots or the Rams, I, I could be benign about it. But I cannot root for that guy, and I cannot root for that franchise. And I feel really bad for their fans because those are long-suffering fans too. But I can't root for that team. And and they won against the uh, Ravens yesterday, yeah. but they it was thirteen to three. Deshaun Watson looks. He, he has not come into form of what we saw prior to, uh, you know, being suspended for a year and missing all of the time that he's missed. Um, they have that. I would never root for the Browns personally, but I do love what Nick Chubb does as a running back. Yeah. And he is a guy that if you get him the football consistently, they can be a very good football team. They they have they're, they're going to struggle in, because of the division that they're in with the with the. Uh, with the Ravens and with the Steelers there, there and the Bengals, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're going to always have trouble winning. You have to win your division if you want to be a championship team, generally, because it's hard to go on the road the entire playoffs and, and have no home games and win a championship. Coming up, oh, yes, Matthew. One thing, well, you said you're not going to make any predictions about the St. Louis Blues, yes. so I just can't let you get off, you know, get out of the show without any skin in the game. So, do either the Lions or the Jaguars make the playoffs? Make the prediction. I kind of like the way the Lions' schedule shapes up. Uh, I think Jacksonville actually has, because of Tennessee, because of the division, <laughs> they, the division. they have a chance. They can it's win the division. But listen they, to, they, they probably have a better yeah. chance because they can actually win their division. But listen to this. Lions are are even, 7-7. Seven and seven. They have, They're at the Panthers, very winnable. Home game against the Bears, and then at Green Bay. And they've always, even when Green Bay was great, they've given Green Bay yeah. trouble. Detroit has... I could see them winning their last three and making the playoffs very easily. Potentially. And yeah. I don't know. Justin Fields went out of the game yesterday. I don't know if it was a cramp or if it was a hamstring issue. So you don't know if, if he's going to be okay in the coming weeks. Yeah. I, but as you said, the Jacksonville Jaguars have a chance to actually win their division, which would 
make life a lot easier making it to the playoffs as opposed to a a, uh, a wild card team. How about this? Jags and Titans flexed into Sunday night in the last game of the season to determine the division winner. <laughs> they, they play on January 8th. That's fantastic. The Jags have at Jets, which will be a tough one, mm-hmm. and then they're at the Texans, and then they're versus the Titans at home. And, and the Titans have... Their last oh, Texans Cowboys at home, and then at Jacksonville to wrap up. Could be really interesting. Could be. Yep. Coming up, get your text <laughs> into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Kerry, Randy, Matthew, we've got take it or leave it coming your way on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred and one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for take it or leave it. Want to say something? Put it out there. You can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. All right, time for Tioli. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Kerry Davis, take it or leave it. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, will give Josh McDaniels credit for getting a win yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He beat his former team and his former boss, I guess. I'll take it. I don't know. I mean... A win is a win is a win. And as as Al Davis, his father, would say. Oh, yeah. Let's see. If we, I think we might be able to find that here. Hold on here one second. Uh, win is a win is a win. Just win, baby. That's all that matters. Yeah. No matter how you do it. No, it doesn't. It just win. Yeah. They figured they it out. They did. Um, Randy, the Dallas Cowboys are, they lost a, a tough one yesterday at Jacksonville. Uh, take it or leave it, they are not a real team. I'll take that. Uh, it's a facade. I, I, they look, they look the part, but when you stack them up versus the Philadelphia Eagles or the Minnesota Vikings or even the San Francisco 49ers, you would pick all of those teams versus that that Dallas Cowboys team. I'll take it. Here's the thing, and it's really not their fault. It's it's the fault of being America's team, but they really are a collection of players rather than a unit. Yeah, you can name. So many of the Cowboys guys, because TV adores them. Right. Philadelphia just goes along, and they've got Jalen Hurts. Fletcher Cox isn't even really a guy anymore. Yeah. I mean, who, uh, we know A.J. Brown from Tennessee. Smith won the Heisman. But, I mean, you, you can name the, the Cowboys offensive lineman. Nobody can name the, the Eagles offensive line. The Eagles are just a really, really good unit. And the Cowboys are just a team that is it's a collection that, of that looks the part. Sorry, yeah. Randy, I don't, I don't keep up with rugby players. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, the text line, 65780. Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. The New York Giants will still win a playoff spot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Trick your question, then will they win a game? Yeah. Um, I will say, I will say, you. Eh, I will say, I'll yeah. take it. I'll take it. The, the team that's going to be... The fact that the dang on Tampa Bay Buccaneers are yeah. sitting there at six and eight and leading the division is the is, Giants lose two more. They're at Minnesota this coming week. Colts at home and then at Philly to end the season. Unless Philly, Philly doesn't play, Philadelphia's going to be going to be resting guys. Yeah. I'm sure they but may play got, a half or a first quarter. Philly will have the only bye too. Yeah, 
Yeah, so they're, 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 he might not want to sit those guys for that long. Is well, my point. I, I would rather sit them and be, be healthy, be healthy play them for a half, and figure it out come come week, uh, come the playoffs. I will take it. I think they will make it in. Um, I think when you look at this, this it's going to end up with the Commanders or the or the Lions. Who who has that last spot? Let's see what the Commanders do. I think the Lions have yeah. a great opportunity to to make it in. Though. Seattle's. I don't know if Seattle can sneak in. The Cowboy, the 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 Commanders have at San Francisco, which is going to be a long trip. Mm-hmm. They go, they play, come back home and play the Browns. They should win that one, and then they play the Cowboys. And depending on where the Cowboys are, you could lose two out of those last three, and yeah. then you have an opportunity for the Minnesota Vikings to sneak in. But I think the Giants are I'm, the team that I'm stays waiting. in. So they're eight five and one, and they win at least one more game, right? They at least beat Indy, and so they're nine seven and one. That's good enough to get in, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, take it or leave it. If the Patriots are going to try to play rugby like that, they need to take a few lessons from the five-time national champion Lindenwood women's rugby I'll team. I'll take that. 100%. That was a terrible play, man. Like, what are you play. doing? Apparently it was improvised. Clearly. What was he? he you well, know, I talk about, so I talked about this uh, during the playoffs, during the baseball playoffs, the World Series, where Kyle Schwarber decided to bunt out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Sometimes players' brains lock up, and you have moments where the moment is so big that you forget what's going on. Kyle Schwarber should not be bunting in that no, moment. No. Nor should he be throwing that ball back when you're up. When it's tie, when it's so, a tie game, and give a team a chance to score and win. I would love to give Ramondre Stevenson or uh, the the wide receiver again, but Myers, I believe. Uh, yeah, what Jacoby did you call Myers. Myers. Yeah, I would like to blame them, but when you have a veteran offensive coordinator like Matt Patricia, <laughs> I mean, he's he's got to get the group together and say, right. guys, just we're we're playing for overtime here. He should have just taken a knee. Yeah, yeah, that's what he should have yeah, done. You, you just take a knee. You're not going to get the ball. You're not going to get an opportunity to kick a field goal. Not enough time. Yeah, take a knee. Uh, Randy, you were talking about this off the air, so I wanted to get this on the air. Take it or leave it. Or excuse me, this is scary. Take it or leave it. Bengals make it to the Super Bowl again. I'm going to. I'm going to. It's so hard to make it to the playoffs. I mean, to the, Bengal, to the Super Bowl. The Bengals. 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 Uh, who they? We they. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we say in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> they're. they're uh... Their, their cheerleaders used to be called the Bengals, right? Really? Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Bengals was already taken. Um, Copyright. I will. I will. I, I'm gonna leave it. I don't think. I. I want to take it though. I. I feel like they are the best team. I think that them going against, but they got to go through. Somebody's got to beat Buffalo. Somebody's got to beat Kansas City. Like those are two very very good football teams, and it's gonna be a tough road. And it's hard to make it two years in a row if they're completely healthy, which they were yesterday. They got down early, but if they're completely healthy, they definitely have a very good chance. But I think it's going to be so hard to to make it through either Buffalo or Kansas City or or maybe both. I don't know. It's yeah. going to be a tough task. Sorry to all of our Bills fans, friends, of which we have many. But Kansas City is going back to the Super Bowl. Oh, so. Randy, don't say that. Sorry. Really? Yeah. Okay. Again, even after even after going into overtime with a uh, one in twelve Houston team, that, that, that doesn't thing, that yeah. doesn't bother you. Just doesn't win, strike baby. a little fear in you. No. It's a, it, might be the be, it might be the best thing that happened to him. You think? Yeah. And they'll get Edward Delaire back. They'll, they'll, I don't know that they need him back. 
Well, Jarek McKinnon and, and Pacheco are pretty are darn good, but Alaire ball security is a, a big deal with him, and he's just a little bit more substantial than those guys. He's are. a little not, heavier, a little yeah. thicker. Not much, but no. a little bit. Take it or leave it. Mike McCarthy is still the coach if the Cowboys go one and done in the playoffs. Oh, man. I'm going to take that. I'm going to say that Jerry and Steven keep him around. He apparently has become a pliable sort and does what they want. What do they do? Unless they're going to promote Dan gonna, Quinn. What If it's not McCarthy, I mean, what are they going to do? There have been talks of a one Sean Payton looming yeah, okay, and, and, yeah. and lingering around for uh, a different organizations. Yeah, he lives there. Jerry likes to make a splash, doesn't yeah. he? Okay, yeah, I could see that. All right, fair enough. Take it or leave it. Matt Ryan is kept out of the Hall of Fame with the biggest regular season and postseason collapse. I'm going to leave that. I don't think that the Hall of Fame will judge him on two games. You think he's a Hall of Famer? That's what I. I that's yeah. what I, I said. I don't I mean, know. I'm sorry, how many times did you watch Matt Ryan play an NFL football game and go, "That is a Hall of Fame quarterback like there." I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just there's there's like we talk about this all the time. You know, Hall of very good. There's just certain guys that it just it hits, and I don't know if I ever saw him even in the MVP season and said, "That's a Hall of Fame quarterback right there." Seventh all time in yards, sixty two seven ninety two, and still playing. Yeah. Um, he is in terms of passing touchdowns for his career. Um, ninth all time. Mm. Oh, he's he's a top ten all time, and he's got an passer. MVP. Never yep. won a Super Bowl. Been there, lost one. Uh, thank you, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, uh, yeah. Call a running play. Call a running play, and then and then he wins the Super Bowl, and he beats Brady. <sighs> I guess he is a Hall of Famer. I, I just, it's hard to to look at Rock's face. Rock is like, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess he's. If you I mean, when you have those numbers and you don't have the Super Bowl. He's essentially Philip Rivers. He, he's got another. He's, he's got a another, Hall of Famer. He's I mean, got he's, another he's, year. I mean, in I'm him. saying is Philip Rivers. We I, we yeah. do look at as a more guaranteed. Like yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. And if you look at those numbers and you look at the fact that they both of them never won, a, you know what? Dan I, Fouts. He, he's essentially Philip is, Rivers. Is, is, in, the same, is in the same yep. era. And, yep. I, and I'm not sure why. You know, again, it's the eye test kind of thing. But I think that that's a pretty definitive argument that if if, if Rivers is, is a Hall of Famer, Matt Ryan is Eli Manning him. a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. Okay, well he's got more passing touchdowns and more passing yards than Eli Manning. Well, Eli Manning yeah. has two Super Bowl rings. Uh, well, we, what are we talking about? The the argument's always uh, a little bit different. I mean, Eli Manning also had Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck tackling people on the other end. And, and, and that's the thing. And he had David Tyree catch a ball but off of his same, helmet. But at the same time, you look at you look at Troy. and a referee that didn't blow a whistle when that's he should fair. have been sacked. But we don't talk about stats. When, why you know why is Troy Aikman a Hall of Famer? We don't we don't ever talk about what his actual numbers are. Or Michael Irvin, you know those guys are. We knew it when we were watching them play. Yeah. this is greatness happening. And I'm just saying, there's different ways to look at a, a Hall of Famer. You know, extrapolated passing yards numbers, but no no. Um, Super Bowl win is he a Hall of Famer? Did he ever have that moment in his career where he you said this is a Hall of Famer? I just think those things, yeah, is it kind of picky and choosy and a little arbitrary? Yes, but that's that's he's, Hall of Fame voting. His problem is, is he's, he's been too consistent. Oh wow, <laughs> Randy Carker just, I'm, I'm just, right? just he just does the same thing same all the time thing every year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Thank morning. you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks very much for the text. We do appreciate them coming up next. According to John Denton, Yadier Molina was a big force in bringing Wilson Contreras to St. Louis. How cool is it that Yadi still wanted to help the Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. 
St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Four-day work week for us this week, which is something that we're angling for in 2023. Hope Indeed. That, uh, that, that comes through. CD, <laughs> we all remember the glorious Labor Day Sunday afternoon home run number 695 for Albert Pujols against the Cubs, his last home run against the Cubs. And John Denton writes at Cardinals.com, following that game, Yadier Molina autographed and penned a note on a jersey and had a clubhouse attendant deliver it to Wilson Contreras, who for years referred to Molina as, quote, my idol. When he got home that night, he tried the jersey on. He slid his arms into the jersey, tugged it across his chest and buttoned it up. He showed it to his wife and he said, I got goosebumps. He said, it was a nice moment that I had with my wife putting on the jersey. I asked her, how do I look? And she said, I look great. And I love the jersey even more now. Here's where the story really picks up. Yadi sent, uh, this is Contreras's agent talking to John Denton. He said, Yadi or Molina sent the jersey to Wilson and it said, this is my last year. You are the future. After seeing the celebration for Pujols, when he put the Yadi jersey on, he told me, Jose, the agent, I know the money might be more in other places, but if you can make it happen with the Cardinals, I want to be a part of that. He was firm, Contreras was, and we got it done. Now, obviously, he got a great deal, $87.5 million over five years. But how cool is it that Yachty had such an effect on him that he wanted to get the deal done either way? Well, I think that's amazing. I, I think, you know, when you get a uh, something signed from your favorite player, you all are, you know, you, you as a professional athlete, we all understand we all play the game. We're all, you know, doing the same thing. But there are guys that you may grow up watching or guys that may be on your team or, or an opposing team that you look at and say, wow, I, I, I actually love that guy's game. And for Wilson Contreras to get that jersey, to get that signed autograph from Yachty saying you are the future, it, it, it may have meant, you know, you are the future here but or you are the future of this game. Whatever way, however you wanted to take it, he took it as, you know, I'm the future and, and I would love to be the one that, that comes after after Yadi. And, and think, I, it makes me think about this, Randy. When Royce Clayton had to take over for Ozzie Smith, those were some huge shoes to fill. You needed a a, a, a personality or someone of, of, of Wilson Contreras' stature. You're going to need that to take over Yachty's shoes. And that's... I think you have the right person for the right job, and it's going to be, he's not going to be Yachty. I, I will mm-hmm. say this over and over again. There are going to be things that Yachty has done or, or, or does that are not going to be the same, but you're going to get something in return from Wilson that you may have not gotten from Yachty. So, you know, I think this is an awesome story. I think this is what makes sports so amazing when guys can come together and have those moments because at the end of the day, even though, you know, we're professional athletes, we're still fans of guys that we play with or play against. And I do think people look for negatives when players play. Contreras, oh, his pitch framing isn't good enough. Well, there's a couple of things that go into it. There there were a few years where Yachty didn't, have great pitch framing numbers according to, to fan graphs, but his catcher's ERA was still significantly better than everybody else's. With a guy like Contreras, sure, his pitch framing might not be the best, but the pitchers in St. Louis are going to be different than right. the pitchers that he was catching for in Chicago. Some guys have, Adam Wainwright being one of them, have such great command that you don't need to be as great a pitch framer and bring the ball into the zone to try to fool the umpire because your pitchers are good. And the other thing about Contreras is that any defensive deficiencies, 
will likely be upset, uh, offset by his offense. Indeed, and that's what I'm talking about. You're going to get some things that are not Yachty, and then you're going to get some things that are not Yachty. And so you have to be able to <laughs> appreciate that and respect that. And, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you know, how well he does in the Cardinals uniform. My favorite two quotes now about the Contreras signing are, he's going to do things that are not Yachty, and he's going to do things that are not Yachty. And then when Greg Amzinger <laughs> said, he's going to fit this team because he's not going to fit this team. There you I go. think those are, they right. sound so simplified. <laughs> some weird syllogisms, but like those are actually perfect descriptions for why Wilson Contreras is such a great signing for the Cardinals. It is great for the Cardinals to have a player that plays and is in his prime and is playing all the time with a level of sandpaper, like Yachty did, by the way, in his prime. But he Yachty wasn't around enough in 2022 to have that sort of, of an effect for it to to translate over to the other players, to permeate throughout the clubhouse. Wilson Contreras is a guy whose attitude, by all accounts, with the Cubs, is a guy that is going to cause his team to be a little bit more of a rooster than than they have in the past. And I love that. I do too. I, I love, I, I mean, you have to have those guys on your team. You have to have, I mean, great players, but also just a little, a little something to them that you, eh, maybe just watch, keep an eye on them. You might be a little crazy. It's okay. We respect it. We appreciate it. And you love for guys, especially as a teammate, I, I want those guys on my team. I hate to look in, in a, <laughs> across the field and, man, I wish that, man, I would love to have that guy. I need those guys on my team. You know, when it gets rough, when times are going hard, I know that I can look at this guy and he's going to have the same look in his eyes that I do. And one other point here from me about Contreras, specific to one guy. When Jack Flaherty has dealt with adversity many times, we haven't seen the best body language from him. He looks like he's dealing with adversity rather than... I'm still going to beat you. I have a feeling that Wilson Contreras is going to be a guy that talks to Flaherty and says, hey, look, you still act like you're going to beat them right. because you're still better than them. Don't act defeated. Act like you're going to beat them. Show them. Don't let yep. them see. That. My mom used to always say, never let them see you sweat. Yeah. And so don't give them any advantage. That That's the mindset of an athlete. Even when you may not have your best stuff, you still got to look like you still got your best stuff. You still have to have the opposing hitter believe that at any moment it's going to come out of my hand and you're not going to be able to see it or hit it. And even if it's not a great day for you. So... Uh, having guys that can remind you, and I think Wilson Contreras will be that guy. Hey, let's go. Hey, don't worry about it. Ne- next play, next pitch. Let's get to it. And and so when you have those guys on your team, you usually have a better team all around. And we will talk to, by the way, read the story at cardinals.com, but we're going to talk to the Cardinal skipper, Ali Marmol, tomorrow morning. Did we set that up for 840? I'm, I'm pretty sure we got it at 845, but let me just double check. Uh, hold on. Uh, 9.15, 9.15 tomorrow for Ollie here on the opening drive with uh, Carrie and Randy. So uh, put that down in your calendar today. Okay, Tuesday. Yeah, everybody got that on their list now and on your calendar? Tuesday, uh, 9.15, Ollie Marmol. Okay, we're good. We're good. Uh, I like when Rock circles things. That's his, <laughs> yeah. that's his reminder when he when he circles yeah. things in, in red pen to remind him for later. I'll see you at 9.58, sir. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this is going to be fun. Carrie, Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take. Next up, though, it is 6.12 in the morning in Vancouver. And we're going to try to call Chris Kerber. See if he's with us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
We were right. Nobody gets up at 6, 12 in the morning to come on a radio show. Nobody. We do, but we, we, we have to be here. But Curbs isn't getting up at 6, 12 in Vancouver. So here's what happens. You, you, set, you generally set your phone to have an alarm go off. So you know. You, you mm-hmm. maybe set it 30 minutes ahead of time or 45 minutes ahead of time. Whatever it is. 15. However, however much time you need in order to prepare for that, that interview. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure his phone is set. For like eight o'clock. Sure, yeah. But it's only six fifteen where he yeah, is. Yeah. So now at eight o'clock he's, he's gonna, gonna go get off. A, yeah. It's gonna go off and he's gonna Oh, Damn. I gotta what? <laughs> I gotta hit. I gotta oh, hit. Eight Central time. Nope. Not Vancouver time. So Carry way great. back in October, Blues won their first three. That was a long time ago. Then they lost eight in a row. Then they won seven in a row. Then they lost two in a row. Then they won one. That's the only instance this year where the Blues have had a only one thing happened without a streak. So after losing two in a row, they win one, then they lose four more in a row. Uh, I'm sorry, then they won another, and then they lost two in a row. Now they've won three in a row. They are an eminently streaky team, and <laughs> I don't, I really don't know what to expect. And that, I guess that's a good thing. The, the great thing about sports is that you, you never know what to expect, but this team kind of makes... Give me heartburn. <laughs> I, I, when you said they're a streaking team, uh, Will Ferrell in old school we're just went random. We're going streaking! Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whether it's, that can be good or bad. like it, it, It's right now, they are a, a very streaky team. Sometimes they win a few in a, game, in, in a row. Sometimes they lose a few in a row. And so I asked you earlier, who is this team? Who are they? What are they? They because at times it feels like Randy they can be a very very good hockey team mm-hmm. and then at times it feels like either there's a lack of energy I don't know is it do you believe that it p- potentially is when they're going through those lo- losing streaks I would have to look at it the injuries may be causing some of it as well are, are mm-hmm. the injuries a part of that because now you have to change lines and, and people switch kind of the routine that they've become become accustomed to I don't know if it's the injuries or if it's just the effort night in and night out figuring out how to do that every single day and not take days off. I think injuries are a part of it. And I think we're seeing before our very eyes the ascent of two players who have a chance to be stars. And we talked to Robert Thomas last week. He'd scored in 11 of 13, and he just had a six-game scoring streak broken. Now he's scored, has points in each of those last two games. Jordan Cairo has scored in six of his last eight games. So those two are becoming consistent scores and the biggest issue with this team in the early part of the season they were last in the league in goals per game now you're getting goal production from those guys obviously Butchnevich being back helps and they're maintaining puck possession which they weren't doing their defense still isn't great but at least they're maintaining possession of the puck they're winning a ton of faceoffs. Achiari uh, has been great. O'Reilly's fine. Thomas, very good in the faceoff circle. So they're getting possession of the puck, and at least in this recent streak, they're keeping possession of the puck, and they're they're playing more of the style that we've come accustomed to from Craig Berube. Yeah, you, you spoke about Kyrou. He had two goals in the last game. He had a goal and two assists in the game before that. He is starting to show up and starting to show why you know Army felt the the need to sign him to that contract. Mm-hmm. You know, I think earlier in the season we were like, oh this. This may end up being a poor contract. And and Army and, and Ruby were very, I guess, calmer than we were as fans and, and, and media people saying, oh, he needs to play better. He's starting to show some of those flashes, those flashes of how great he can be, which is exciting for me. And I, I, I'm, I'm 
especially excited when he's involved in, in getting others involved as well. Like, we know he yeah. can score. But when he had those assists, specifically the assist to uh, Tarasenko uh, against the Oilers a couple of week, couple of days ago, that was a great pass and a great time. I am excited about where this team can be. I just want to see him do it consistently, <laughs> more yeah. consistently and, and, and happen over and over and over again. So, you know, if they do that, I think this team can be really good. But again, I don't know who they're going to be. And right now they're on they're, they're, they are the good blues. In a couple yeah. of days they may not be. And by the way, Grice was very good against Calgary. Well, he was great against Calgary the other night. But Jordan Bennington has been great lately also. And that was another issue early on, right? That Bennington was as inconsistent as the club was. He, if he wasn't getting hung out to drive by his teammates and he was provided a reasonable opportunity to win, it wasn't there for him. It wasn't happening. Well, now in the last his last three starts, he's been outstanding too. So that's part of it. All the little things that you need to do are coming together. And the Blues, I, let me ch- double check here. I believe at least before last night, they were one game out of a playoff spot. Let me double check that, which is amazing. With the, the way we've talked about this club, oh, it's over, panic bus. Let's, uh, <laughs> l- let's uh, tank for Bedard. And right now, you've got Colorado sitting with uh, 34 points, and Colorado won last night, so the Blues have 31. Uh, and so the Blues are three points out of a playoff spot, but at the end of a week, that can change. Do you have any concern? Uh, Grice took 43 shots. They, they were fighting 40, he's 43 shots on goal from the Flames. Is that concern for you that that that's that many shots have to be stopped? It would have been more of a concern four years ago. But the, the way the game has opened up, and especially with the personnel the Blues have, as Panger has talked to us before about, this is a rush team. And when you're a rush team, it's going to happen both ways. Mm-hmm. And that's just the kind of game I think that they're going to play a lot. Now, Calgary is a really good, fast team with a lot of skill. 43 shots wasn't a surprise against them. If they allow 43 tonight, I'll be more concerned. Because I don't think Vancouver has the sort of depth up front that Calgary presents. Is that just... Putting a body on a body, yeah, and 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 moving yep. your feet. The but, things, the things that Barubi has talked about that they weren't doing well when they were performing poorly, not moving their feet, kind of just sticking their stick out right. there and hoping, you know, to to break up plays, but getting closer and and putting a body on the next man that that prevents those shots from happening. The Blues have a lot of guys that have difficulty getting closer. That's the problem. They just aren't as fast. <sighs> Hard to catch a guy if you don't skate as fast as he does, right? Uh, this is true. Guys going faster than you, it's going to be hard to, yeah. to and catch Calgary's up to a fast team. But they did it against Edmonton. And the big thing is having the puck. Yeah. Just Taking have, care of it. Have the puck. Take Not care turning of the puck. over. Right. Yeah. Right. That, that, I think that's been their, the, the main thing, the Achilles heel of this team is just turning the puck over. Poor turnovers have been, been the thing that has caused them to lose games and get so many shots on yeah. goal. When they take care of the puck and, and play a little bit more physical, I've seen this team be at the best that they can be. So Vancouver is minus 115 tonight. How'd you like to be on the FanDuel Sportsbook? And we want you to use it all the time. Indeed. But man, you just don't know what to expect from the Blues. So Vancouver's minus 115. I would put my money on the Blues tonight, but I don't know. 
I just don't know. <laughs> 15, 15, and one. Yeah. <laughs> you right. don't know, Randy. It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, I'm taking a wait and see approach. I said cautiously optimistic about this team, but. I just wait and see. The panic bus is parked. Yep. Passengers are are exiting. They are finding their way back to their homes. They are not, uh, um, you know, scurrying for the panic mm-hmm. bus to get on while it's running. It is it is parked for now. But we will see here in the next, I guess, four, five, six games if they can continue this path and this this trick that they're on right now. And if the Blues are where they are now, three points out of a playoff spot. On March 3rd, that's the NHL trading deadline, I, I'm going to stand by what I said last week, that I, I would be more inclined, if there was a market for their players that are set to become UFAs, I would move them. Three, you said three games out? If three points out. If three points out. Right now, okay. they're three points out of a playoff spot. If and they're, if they're still three points out? Yeah. So, Randy, what was their record in twenty eight in twenty eighteen nineteen when they made that 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 marvelous run of theirs when, to, to to the Stanley Cup? When they got to the trade deadline, they were pretty solidly in. Okay, but what were they at right now in December? They were last place. <laughs> <laughs> they were last, well, I, I, last were they, place. Rock, in the whole league. Were they worse then than they are now? So I'm asking for hope. For, oh yeah, for excitement. But, see, but that team had been bad enough to get a coach fired in November too. <laughs> Yeah. Randy, they were pretty bad they at one point. Bad. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were a 5-1 loss on uh, December 20th to the Vancouver Canucks, ironically enough, uh, dropped them to 13-16-4 on the season ah, at the time. Yeah, there you right, go. right there. Yeah. That was not great. Not great. This this feels a little bit better now with three wins. <laughs> yeah, in a yeah. Row. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's, it's what a difference three games make. Yep. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got the fight, and we need a fighter. Te- text the word "fight" in to six five seven eight zero, and we want to hear from you because I want to fight against you. And if you do text in now six five seven eight zero, the fight is coming your way on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio and Rock. You like when I change or come up with different salute, different no, different no, suggestions you're fine. No, you're for fine. your you're for fine. your no. questions. You're fine, I just try Davis. to make it better because I think sometimes. No, you, yeah, I mean, you know what? You you we'll, we'll, you we'll made, ask when we get done. You we'll made two big edits in in your time, and, well, one, and was, one, one of them was, was great. There you go. One of them did not go well for you. <laughs> uh, you made two smaller edits on this one, and one of them already very good. So we'll see how the other one goes. If it's 50, 50, 50, 50 then then it's gonna go poorly for you as we move here. If I'm if I'm 500, then I'm a Hall of Famer in the Major League Baseball. That's true. You'll also be a pretty good better. There you go. I'm just saying. I'm just, hey, got to do what I got to do. Our contestant today is Nathan. Nathan, how are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing great. Are you ready to roll? I'm ready. All right, Nathan, here we go. Who was the last Cardinals pitching duo to throw 200-plus strikeouts in the same season? Was it Wainwright and Lynn, Flaherty and Martinez, or Gibson and Carlton? I'm going to go Wayne Wright and Lynn. Who is the winningest coach in NHL history? Is that Joel Quinville, Barry Trotz, or Scotty Bowman? 
Going Bowman. All right, Nathan, last night Nikolai Jokic put together an all-time line, becoming just the third player in league history with 40 points, 25-plus rebounds, and 10 assists. The only other players to do it are prominent Lakers, Wilt Chamberlain, and who else? Magic Johnson, Elgin Baylor, or George Mikan? Going to have to go with Mikan. All right, and happy birthday to Warren Sapp. The Buccaneers are one of the few teams to draft multiple Hall of Famers in the same round of a draft, taking Sapp and which other Buccaneer Hall of Famer in the first round of the 95 draft? Was that John Lynch, Rondé Barber, or Derek Brooks? Ooh. I'm going to go Barber. All right, we will double-check the score and bring in Mr. Randy Carricker. Nathan, how you feeling? Not very good. Now, any of them particularly stump you? I'm not great on hockey. No? Okay. Well, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. may, you, may, you may actually surprise yourself, Nathan. And sometimes All it right. happens uh, on the fight. We, we have contestants that think they did poorly or think they didn't know a subject pretty well, and, and they do actually really well. So we'll see. Oh. Randy, say Thanks hello to sir. Nathan. Nathan, good morning. How are you doing? Very good. How are you doing this morning, Randy? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, Randy, you ready? I'm ready, brother. All right, here we go. Okay. Who was the last Cardinals pitching duo to throw 200-plus strikeouts in the same season? Hmm. I'm just uh, going to go logic here. And I'm going to go with Wainwright and Carpenter. I'll just say they did it. Who is the winningest coach in NHL history? Uh, in NHL history, the winningest coach is Scotty Bowman. By a pretty significant margin, by the way. All right, Randy. Last night, Nikolai Jokic put together an all-time line, becoming just the third player in league history with 40 points, 25-plus rebounds, and 10 assists. The only other players to do it are prominent Lakers, Wilt Chamberlain, and who else? Elgin Baylor, I believe. And happy birthday to Warren Sapp. The Buccaneers are one of the few teams to draft multiple Hall of Famers in the same round of a draft, taking Sapp and which other Buccaneer Hall of Famer in the first round of the 95 draft? First round of 95. So that was Kevin Carter for the Rams, 95. So that was Kijana Carter was the first pick. Sapp, a lot of people wanted the Rams to take Sapp, but the morning of the draft, there were marijuana revelations. The Mary Jane, yep. I remember that. Yep. That made him fall. Hmm. So um, It's pretty amazing that comes out the day of the draft. Isn't huh? that weird how that happens? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's amazing how that happens. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, pretty weird. So, uh, <laughs> well, so, uh, Rondé isn't a Hall of Famer yet. And Derek Brooks is. They didn't have any offensive Hall of Famers. They haven't. They didn't draft any other defensive guys that made the Hall of Fame. So it would seem to me that the only logical choice here. Oh, John Lynch was also a Hall of Famer that they drafted, but I don't think Lynch was a first rounder. So I'm going to go. And you said in the first round, right? Yes. I'm going to go with Derek Brooks. It's a short week. Christmas is coming up. Maybe he had to do some shopping over the weekend. Did any of that mess with Megamind? Did he come in a little bit off here on a Monday? And did Nathan maybe catch him when 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 he wasn't looking here on a Monday? Or as we have through so many, so many 
fights over the last two weeks, so we just got a nice, clean Randy Carricker win. Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. There it is, Randy Carricker with a win on this Monday. He beat you, Nathan, three to one. He's just—it doesn't even matter when it's Christmas. The man's just absolutely locked in. And the, surprisingly enough, the one that Randy didn't get was the Cardinals one. Who are the last Cardinals pitching doer to throw both 200 strikeouts in the same season? Not Wainwright and Carpenter. The closest to do it in the last like 40 years. Wainwright and Lynn. Wayno got 212, and Lynn had 198. But the actual answer—the only ones to do 200. The last ones: mm-hmm. Gibson and Carlton in 1969. Mm. 269 and 210. There's been three instances of the Cardinals getting two guys over 190 since then, wow. but never to more than 200. Winning his coach in NHL history is, in fact, Scotty Bowman. Randy said it was by a lot. It is by a lot. He has 1,244 wins. That is 275 more than Joel Quinville at number mm. two. Uh, Barry Trotz, by the way, number three. And last night, Nikola Jokic put together an all-time line, becoming just the third player in league history with 40 points, 25 rebounds, and 10 assists. The only other players to do it are prominent Lakers, Will Chamberlain and Randy Carricker got this one right. Elgin Baylor. Um, Will Chamberlain, by the way, did it uh, four times. Elgin Baylor did it just one time. And happy birthday to Warren Sapp. The Buccaneers are one of the few teams to draft multiple Hall of Famers in the same round of a draft. They took Warren Sapp, and then about 15 picks later, they took Derek Brooks in the first round of that 1995 draft. Randy Carricker is correct. John Lynch is a Hall of Famer, not a first-rounder. Rondé Barber, somehow, not a Hall of Famer yet. So it really just leaves you with your boy from Florida State, Derek Brooks. Randy Carricker, a nice 3-1 win. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for playing today, Nathan. I love you guys. Love you too. Merry Christmas. Nathan, good job. Uh, Nathan with us on 101 ESPN. That is the fight. Next up, your St. Louis Battlehawks are back in February, and your St. Louis Battlehawks are going to have an area guy running back. Brian Hill will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And we go now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Brian Hill of the St. Louis Battlehawks joins us. Brian uh, played at Belleville West. He went to Wyoming. And he has been around in the NFL. Now he's going to be a member of the Battlehawks starting in February. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Everything's good. We're excited to have you with us and excited about the Battlehawks coming back. How do you feel about getting an opportunity here in the XFL? Oh, I'm overexcited, man. I'm just ready to get back out there and play football. Man. Getting back to go home and play in front of my family. It's been a while since the whole family could come to a game, high school, really. So it's going to be a blast. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You left from... from- Illinois and went to Wyoming for college. What was that experience like? Uh, as you said, not having your family and friends be able to see you as often, but just going all the way to Wyoming to play football and, and go to school. How was that? Uh, it was a culture shock for sure. Uh, just going from being around my family at all times, not just my immediate family, my cousins and all that. And then going to a Wyoming 14-hour drive away. My mom came to every game she could, and she actually came to a lot of games. But there was a lot of games missed, and a lot of people couldn't come. 
Hey, Brian, one of the things about the XFL is that there's going to be a lot of players with a lot of talent there. You have been around, as I mentioned, several NFL teams, Falcons, Bengals, Titans, Browns, Niners. What do you think the difference will be when we see the XFL between the typical XFL player and the typical NFL player? Uh, I really don't know. I saw a lot of rosters, and there's a lot of people with experience just like me. So uh, I think it's going to be a fast-paced league and definitely going to have to compete to show out. Hey, Brian, talk to us about your journey uh, thus far. As as Randy said, you've been on a few teams. I I went through that. I was telling them one of the reasons why I don't want to coach now is because I've been – I played on five or six teams in a a seven-year span. Just talk about what that experience is like in, in leading you to this moment right here with the Battlehawks. Uh, it's a pretty stressful, um, you feel me situation, but it's definitely the best years I've had in my life, you feel me, just from my friends on the team to being able to go to different places and experience, experience different things. Now, uh, I, I also played in Atlanta, and most people don't know that Atlanta is, it's not really the Atlanta Falcons. It's the flowery branch Falcons. It's so far yeah. from Atlanta. You don't really get to go. You, it's about an hour drive to get down to the city of Atlanta yeah, with traffic, <laughs> with all of the traffic. You ha- you spend a lot, you spend a lot of time with your teammates and with your friends because going all the way to Atlanta is going to be a, a drive getting there and getting back. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely, it's. It's a trick, you feel me? <laughs> you can travel every point you uh, want to live in the Battlehawks running back Brian Hill with us on 101 ESPN. And, Brian, obviously you guys are, are going to be playing with some big names, but A.J. McCarron, your quarterback, is going to be one of the, one of the biggest names, having won the championships that he did at Alabama. What do you know so far about your offense and about the players that are going to be surrounding you? Uh, I know that the coaches built the offense a certain way, and they feel like they got the players that they wanted in the, out of the draft for free agency. I actually played with AJ McCarron when I was with the Bengals, so I feel I'm going to feel right at home. You feel me with him in the backfield? Hey Brian, you uh, you being from the from the area, you obviously have heard. Uh, a lot about the Battle Hawks when they were here initially. Uh, what are your expectations? Because that that stadium was rocking. It was a lot of fans there. What are your expectations for this upcoming season? Uh, I'm expecting a lot. You know, uh, when the Rams left, it was a big deal out of St. Louis. So I know they're itching for football, and you all saw when they got football back for that short amount of time, they were with it. <laughs> And the the crowds are going to be great, and I know that that'll be really exciting for you. And obviously, the goal for anybody is, and even The Rock, Dwayne Johnson has talked about this, they want you guys to get an opportunity to get back in the NFL. And uh, tell us about that, the the ultimate goal, getting back and getting an opportunity in the NFL. Uh, Well, I know it's a pretty straightforward thing with the NFL. If you play good, you won't play so if you make players out there in the XFL, they're going to be scouting. And if they feel like you can help their team, they definitely going to make the move to come get you. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you, Brian. Looking forward to uh, you and your teammates uh, being at the Dome. It should be a fun time. And thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. 
Appreciate you guys for having me. Right, have take, a good one. You too. Take care. That's Brian Hill from Belleville West, who's going to be playing before the home fans at the Dome for the St. Louis Battlehawks starting in February of 2023. I I, I wanted to know about the the trek to Wyoming because that I said that is so far. Um, but he said his mom was able to make the drive often and come up there and check him out, which is you know to have that support to be so far away from home and, and in college, it can be a culture shock just to be in a different environment. But to be away from your family is a tough task. But Kudos to him for for battling through that and the the life of a of an NFL journeyman running back I know very well is a life that is extremely difficult as he said it's 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 stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know um, I was telling you all earlier my mom my aunt uh, and her husband came down to to move my stuff from Atlanta because I got signed in Tampa and they had a U-Haul truck the U-Haul truck only has two seats my, my aunt had to put a dining room table a chair dining room chair in the middle between those two bucket seats and ride back to mm-hmm. St. Louis in that chair because that was the only way that they could get <laughs> my apartment cleaned out uh, and get moving so it, it is a stressful time and I hope that this opportunity is a good opportunity because he had a, he had a couple of good years in Atlanta and you didn't have to take much time between gigs in the NFL you generally yeah you move from spot to spot do you think that if if an XFL would have popped up that that would have if if you were in the situation that he is in, and he's played for five teams, he knows what it takes to be an NFL running back. Do you think that you would have gone to the XFL to try to show yourself? I think I would have. I had an opportunity to go to the CFL after my uh, last year in Washington, and I turned it down. And I was just like, eh, you know, Canada, I, I, if it had been here locally and potentially paying, you know, similar amount of salary, I, I probably would have stayed. Looking back on it, I wish I would have taken that opportunity to go to the CFL um, and played in that environment and, and just got an opportunity to maybe come back to play. But I, I felt like once you go, once you leave and go to a different league, at then it felt like you would, it was like you were done. You weren't going to make mm-hmm. it back. I'm trying to think, after, like, you know, obviously Warren Moon, the most famous one, but like, before, like, a Cameron Wake coming over. I'm trying to think of other guys who had a lot of who had a lot of success coming from the CFL. Especially especially in the early 2000s. Ricky Williams played uh didn't he play in the CFL yeah, for did. a little bit yeah. State, but he was still he, yeah, was, he was already was Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. <laughs> um and it's it, it is that you don't have many players and there's some yeah. talented guys there. You just don't have that opportunity to make it uh you know to make it back and, and make it into the NFL. I was going to say Kerry, there's there's maybe five or six superstars, right, on each, on average, on each of the 32 NFL teams. So we're talking, uh, let's see, 60, 120, maybe 180 superstar players. But you get beyond those guys, and the the rest of the roster and the guys that are going to play be playing in the XFL are kind of mix and match, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're going to have guys that you're going to look at and say, well, huh, that guy, what is he, what's going on here? And then you're going to have guys that are, you're wondering why they aren't on an NFL roster. So you're going to get a mix of both. Um, but it's it, no matter where you are, you are a player that has an opportunity to continue to play the game that you love. And I'm, I'm happy for that for these gentlemen. Yeah. I, you think about a guy like John Randall, who, who had to fake his weight. He, he had to wear a big ch- <laughs> chain under his sweats. Did you ever hear that story? I never he, heard that. Oh, so he, really? They told him he was too light at like 228 or something, uh-huh. and he, he bought a chain at a grocery store, wrapped it around his waist, really? and got a huge hoodie, and uh, actually a couple of huge hoodies, stepped on the scale, and he was at 250, and they said, oh, you're good. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. You, you, you don't know the things that people do right. to pursue their dreams, and, right. and you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, and so... Uh, that's how he was able 
to get the opportunity to prove that he could play. And you never know when there might be a guy that shows up that has the ability that just hasn't gotten the opportunity yet or the the jump has occurred. The, the Kurt Warner jump mm-hmm. has occurred yeah. and he might turn into a star. You, it, you, but if you got to get that opportunity and, and mm-hmm. sometimes guys don't get it, and that's the frustrating part for some people. But when you do uh, and you hear those stories, it, it's so fun. Like Victor Cruz was a guy that always sticks to my mind, an undrafted yeah. rookie, and he just blew up in those in those preseason games for the Giants and started doing his dance in the end zone. Like, oh, this kid is pretty good. He's, he's going to be okay. So it's always fun to hear those guys that you don't know much about, and then they become stars. You can get tickets for the Battlehawks, by the way, at xfl.com slash Tickets. Next up here on 101 ESPN, are we going to take another shot at Curbs? Are you going to see if he'll we'll get up at 7? Uh, yeah, I sent him a text trying to, trying to get him here and, at the 9 o'clock hour. And any response? <laughs> Not yet. He's still okay. asleep. It's, what time is it? 6.56? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if we don't have Curbs coming up next, we have an interesting thing because there's a player that's going to go to the NFL but still playing in the bowl game. And we're going to talk about college players playing in bowl games. That's next, um, uh, unless we get curbs on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's Big Big Thing. Nine oh one in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, and a CD as the bowl season unfolds. And we've got bowls not here on our air, but we do have bowls throughout the course of the week. You can just tune in to Capital One Bowl Week on the Mothership. But Max Dugan, second in the Heisman Trophy voting, is going to the NFL. He's declared that, but he's still going to play in the Fiesta Bowl and maybe the national championship if TCU wins in the first round. And there are myriad college football players who do not play in bowl games. In fact, I would venture to guess that most of the guys that are going to the NFL now forego any bowl game that's not for the national championship. And I'm, I'm wondering about making bowl games better. And first of all, I don't know if it's even necessary if they need to be made better. But from a player's perspective, if you were a college player and college football would come to you and say, hey, we know that you're concerned about getting injured in this game. Would you accept an insurance policy of a million bucks or five million bucks to play in this bowl game for us? Do you think that's something that would be attractive to, to college players so that they can get out there and compete and enhance the product of the bowl games? I think most of those players that are, um, you know, that come back or, or, or expected to be first round draft picks usually do get some form of insurance. I don't know that if the bowl game offered me insurance, I would take it. I don't know that that would be the thing that would make me say, hey, I'll, I'll play in this bowl game because I, I feel that this is good for the school. Here's an idea, Randy. Man, this is just came out of, out mm-hmm. of the blue somewhere. The bowls game, bowl games and, and teams make tons of money and programs make tons of money depending on the bowl game. Mm-hmm. How about – you pay the players for that bowl game. That's How a good about idea. you spend some of that money on the hundred plus players you have on that team, spend it equally, and that could be an incentive for those guys to play. And then here's the thing. If the if the pot is, let's say, five hundred thousand dollars, well, if those players opt out, that means your your pay goes up if you continue if you do play. So that may be 
a way to look at it and say we can find some some way to get these guys to play. But I, I think about a guy like Jalen Smith, uh-huh. who in the bowl game for Notre Dame tore his knee up and dropped from a first round draft pick potentially to a I think he went end up going second. third round, second round, third yeah. round. Um that's that's millions of dollars that that man missed out on. Now granted he he was able to make that back up in his second contract, but those types of injuries happen and those types of things are 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 potential. He he tore his knee up pretty bad. So the real fear for some people that that they could get injured. I personally if it's a if it's the no one knows bowl on on December 12th or December 15th mm-hmm. eh, and I I am a a potential first round draft pick, meh. I see y'all later. Love you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give one of the younger guys a chance to play. But if it is like you said, one of these major bowls potentially for the playoffs and for the for the championship, I'm definitely playing. And I think that's the big thing. And when this all started, and I think Christian McCaffrey was actually the first guy to opt out of a bowl game so that he could concentrate on the NFL draft. And I'm wondering, okay, you've been with these guys since training camp, and you're a team, and we all talk about team and being loyal to your teammates. Well, no, it's nobody loves you like you love you. And that's the way that the world is now. Team goes out the window when it's about me. There, There is me in team, right? There is. And so I, I, I think... I told my coach that when I was 12. <laughs> when you're 12 <laughs> that there is a me I'll, I'll tell you that story <laughs> so I get it but I do think that there is from the Bulls perspective I think they should want to deliver the best product possible I don't the players shouldn't worry about the product that's on the field they're good they have nothing to do with it anymore and the bowl like you say it's a bunch of uh it, it, it what it's a bunch of old guys in sport coats making a bunch of money off of kids that's yeah. what it is yeah so if they want to share the wealth right if they want to make their product the best if they care about that then they they should do something to entice players to want to play. Well, I don't think that they do because I think the sponsorships are going to pay the money regardless of who's in that bowl right. game or who's playing in that bowl game. So there's really no need. Once you get the contract and get the, the money established, there's no need for them to, to, to pay out to any of the right. players because it's not something that they they would want to do. No, and last year, Kerry, the Mizzou's in a bowl game and Eli Drinkwitz tells Tyler Beatty, don't play. Yeah. Don't play in this because it can only hurt you. And therefore, it, it it if you are a player, I don't. I, I want my goal is to, Randy. I, I didn't dream of playing in the Mayo Bowl mm-hmm. as a kid. I, I didn't no, dream. No. I, it's not. I didn't dream of playing in the Cheez It or Cheetos Bowl. I dreamed about going to the NFL. So if I'm right there and have an opportunity, I, I tell people this all the time. Your body has a number of hits. That it is allotted, and the more hits you take, the closer you get to that number. So, if you can take a few off by not playing in that game and stay healthy, then I would I would suggest that that be the best route. And every situation is different. There are still really dumb teams in the NFL, but the reason that Lawrence Phillips went with the sixth pick in the draft is because of a bowl performance in the Fiesta Bowl, and the the Rams, based on that game. Took him with the sixth pick in the draft. Shouldn't have. He had a great career though. He he was well, no, he, he was, was suspended. He pulled dragged a girl down the steps by but her he, hair. He was a he was a he was a very good football player. But, I, he, but he had some off the field right. issues that and the last that should have been the reason why you don't take him. Right. But the last thing that the Rams at that time saw was that performance, and that's why he wound up being the sixth pick in the draft. He, he should have been. I mean, Eddie George should have gone ahead of him. Tim Biakabatuka should have gone ahead of him. 
But the last thing somebody saw was him tearing up, I think, Florida in the Fiesta. Yeah. It was a pretty good game for him. Yeah. So anyway, I, it just seems to me like the the Bulls system is so broken, and there, there are way too many Bulls. But if, if they want to make it good and they want the best players to play – my opinion is, and I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, you you don't care about the bowl if you're a player, but maybe there is at least th- there are some players out there that can make the product a little bit better by enticing them to play. I, I'm not I'm not saying that there shouldn't be other bowl, but I don't know anybody on UAB or Miami of Ohio. I, I, no. I mean, we haven't we haven't been able to see them play throughout the entire season. They played in the Bahamas Bowl. I mean, it's a great experience for those kids. But it it does feel like there are a lot of bowls out there that people don't know enough about or don't know who's playing in them. And if you want to have better ratings or better, it, it like I said, it's a I played in the Micron PC Bowl. It no mm-hmm. longer exists. No one would even know it, it. We beat Virginia. It was an awesome game for awesome game for us in Miami. But outside of the University of Illinois fans, friends, and family, and the University of Virginia's fans, friends, and family, no one cared. But as a fan of a pro team where our Super Bowl was the draft every year, Yeah, I, I wanted to watch and find out who could play because I, I was scouting for players. And so, but that, I was nuts. Matthew was the same thing. We, we were nuts. We were stupidly crazy. Randy. Because we were scouting probably more than the Rams scouts Probably, were because some of those picks in the sixth and seventh round, <laughs> Anthony Stalter looked at he, and I looked at each other like, who who the hell is this guy? <laughs> it was a rough day when I found that out. Yeah. I was talking about breaking tape down. They were like, breaking, the Rams breaking is breaking tape, tape down? down? Okay. Yeah. You're doing a little What's bit more that? work than they are. Yep, right. By the way, today you've got the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I assume that's played in Myrtle Beach. Oh yeah, Marshall and UConn hooking up in that battle of the titans, and that's it. That's the only bowl of the game. But then today or tomorrow, rather, yes, sir. Just, um, just a little piece of knowledge for everybody out Beach, there. As you, as South Carolina. Up, uh, yeah, do not go there for for uh, spring break. Okay, Pick somewhere, Beach. Else. Pick somewhere else. It's overrated. What if you like golf? All right, fine. Hmm. Okay, I'm sure there's some good court. I don't know. We we'll go to Hilton Head tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow you've got a couple of bowls. Uh, you've got at two thirty the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, that one's on the blue turf. Oh, yeah. And That's then uh, you've got the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl against Liberty. Uh, by the way, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl is Eastern Michigan and San Jose State. The RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl is Liberty against Toledo, the Rockets. I can't imagine the swag from RoofClaim.com is, is that great. <laughs> That's not going to be great. I mean, maybe you get some future home fixing fixer-uppers. And that would that would have made you happy at 19? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, <laughs> but I'm thinking I'm a forward-thinking person. Yeah, at, at like 41. now you're thinking, hey, now I would love this kind <laughs> so, of stuff. Come on, boys. So we're thinking that okay, it's really cool to play for the national championship and be in the Fiesta Bowl or the Orange Bowl. What you really want to be is in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Baylor and Air Force. Every player gets a jet. <laughs> that's their swag bag. There at you the, go. At the Lockheed yeah. Martin. Every place it right in your bag. Every player gets a jet. <laughs> Yeah. But it's like a little personalized one. You can fly around at home. The, Come on the now. Pinstripe Bowl, <laughs> Cheez It Bowl, the Sun Bowl. I would like my team to play, and I think that is an SEC bowl, the Union the Pinstripe Bowl. I'd like to go to Yankee Stadium, go up to New York. That's for a bowl um game. that's Big Ten and Big Ten and, and, and SEC. SEC. Yeah. yeah. I thought so. So that'd be fun. You say you say that, but did you see how many people went up for the Fenway Bowl? 
Not many. There was like no one at the. It was it was it was Louisville, Cincinnati. Well, I'd rather go to New York than Boston, though. It was Cincinnati. I think it was Louisville. Um, and it was yeah, it was it was a rough attendance for you'd think a a really big game in a in a legendary baseball stadium like that. By the way, Friday night, five thirty, St. Louis time. It's the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, Mizzou and Wake Forest. Good job, good for them. M I Z. You. There you go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got rock and roll, both for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. And roll. Matthew, what do you got? Well, uh, I got I got some happy stuff because over the weekend, obviously, if you were watching it yesterday morning, it was one of the one of the best uh, football slash soccer matches you've ever watched. Honestly, if you watched a lot of soccer, you haven't watched a lot of soccer. Either way, it was probably one of the best ones you've ever seen. Argentina and France, three for, three to three in the World Cup final. Obviously, a back and forth game. Argentina, the big lead, then they give it up in the ninety seconds from Kylian Mbappe scores two goals in those ninety seconds. The Argentinian squad gets a third one back, and then of course, it felt like it was absolutely just like needed in the moment. Kylian Mbappe gets the penalty to tie it back up to three. We go to extra time, both 15 minutes, clean. Here we go. We got to now go to shootouts between these two teams. All right, what's going to happen now? Argentina wins it, and I thought this was probably my favorite part. Seeing Lionel Messi on the field was beautiful, but hearing, hearing Buenos Aires native and longtime Argentinian and American citizen Andres Contour call his home country's win for the first time since the late '80s, their third one ever. The emotion, emotion here is 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 seriously palpable. Here's Andres Cantor calling the World Cup as Argentina wins yesterday morning. saying Argentina campeón del mundo that of course is world champions of soccer and you can hear the emotion the tears through his voice of a guy calling something he never thought he'd get to see him being the man who calls it on the global stage seeing that hearing that call after the fact just made it all all, all the more better what an incredible day I mean that that is those calls are are you know when it's you have so much into it, so much stake into it. You're you're so so excited to hear uh, that type of that type of call because, as you say, Rock, you can hear the 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 tears, the the enjoyment, the joy, the sheer excitement in his voice, and just probably something that he never thought he would be able to express or hear. It's almost like you're part of it. You're playing in it, and 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 the the announcers are just as much of a part of it as as you know the players are because of how it gets distributed. So I, I I'm happy that he was able to have that call, and happy that he was able to actually experience that moment. So Argentina wins, and they they have the ceremony. When do they actually get the cup? They got the, they got the trophies. Uh, yeah, yes. I saw them hand out a bunch of trophies. I didn't yes. see a cup. <laughs> this is the World Cup, Rock. 
supposed to hand out a like, like the, the holy grail, they, like uh, they gave like, out a, like a soccer ball. It, it's the the Stanley Cup. It should be cup. like the, See, the cup, Indiana Jones when cup he competitions the, in world football. Or just their way of saying tournaments. Oh, because there's actually one. There's actually one. So there's not there's one, actually whole, one, one. There's cup. actually one cup tournament where I'm pretty sure they give out like a shield, like it's like a, it's like a plate. So it's not a cup. It's not a cup. No, <laughs> you can't drink out. You can't drink out of the World Cup. Oh, it's it's actually it's actually surprising how tiny it is. You think it's going to be these really huge mm-hmm. grandiose things. Honestly, it's about the size of that Lysol can when you hold it in your hands. Is it's, that it? It's really not. That's I mean, the, the yeah, trophy if, for the team. That's the, they they all get tiny, individual yeah. tiny ones, and so yeah, it, it's a much uh, more it's a much smaller trophy than everyone wants to talk about. In fact, there's a good picture right now. Is the MLS Cup a cup? I think it is. Stanley Cup is you can drink out of that. You can yes, it's like the, the cup. There, there is a Lombardi Trophy that is not a cup, and they call it a trophy. There is a Commissioner's Trophy. There's yes, a Lawrence the, O'Brien Trophy, but they don't call any of those a cup. The Philip F. Anschutz Trophy for the MLS Cup playoffs is in fact a a, a, a chalice. If if Carrie wants there to confirm that, drink out of it. Yeah, you can drink um, out of. Like here's a picture right so now. So this is like here's the a picture of one of the, thing. The rest of the world one, is stupid. Here's a picture of one of the Argentinians holding the World Cup trophy. So. Uh, that's, well, yeah. So, yeah. It's a little, okay. it's a little bit smaller, yeah. One it's, thing, it's, yeah, so, it's not a cup. You cannot drink out of it. I'm sorry. So this is why we're ugly Americans, because we we think that it's we pretty stupid understand. to have a cup where you don't have a cup. <laughs> is, that, is that a bad thing? That I, I think there should be a cup when it's called the World Cup? I, I do not disagree with you, sir. Thank you. See, now, now, see, Randy, this is the thing you do to me. You, you make me, you're looking you make for me, all you make me dive other... now into a Wikipedia page later today about why do they call them cup competitions if they're all not awarded yeah. cups or some weird etymology thing in the game of soccer slash football, which again is entirely just an etymology trap from the little get go. That's why I have to call it soccer slash football. Call it a tournament for what it is. It's a tournament. <laughs> Largest in the world soccer <laughs> tournament. <laughs> Largest in the world. I'm really interested also to see Playoffs. the ratings difference Playoffs? between 11:45 when we're in PKs of the World Cup and then 12:15 when it's oh hey look it's it's you know Jaguars and you know it's Jaguars Football. and Cowboys. In yeah, I'm, I'm wanting to see what the actual difference Football. is because everyone was joking about how are they going to go from this excitement to just a regular season NFL mm-hmm. game. I'm like, well, it's America. It's not <laughs> America. Part of a jump to really make, but I'm just I'm honestly interested to see how the ratings actually do affect. But you did have show. the ability to put a shilling down on the uh, the World Trophy uh, on FanDuel Sportsbook. <laughs> So now you're just calling. So now it's the World Trophy. Uh, it's the World. Yes, it's Randy. The, Randy the world, renamed it. The world, rebranding the tournament here yep. on 101. Yes, you know, they yeah. also they also do something called the Club World Cup um, in World Soccer, and now I have to see if this is also maybe not they a should cup. give them a club. Okay, <laughs> uh, well, Randy, Randy, I'm about to make you really angry. The Club World Cup Trophy is that. Oh, that uh, looks like it's, a, it's 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 a little it's a stand it's a with a globe ball. on the top of it with like a soccer ball looking or thing. A soccer ball. It's it's a soccer ball that's it has a, that has the continents on ah, it actually. But there's game. I do not think if you pour beer onto this it's uh, gonna cup pour, it's gonna that anything's going to happen. It's going to roll. It's going to be kind of poor. Uh, speaking of tournaments and also speaking Can of I add one thing. Go ahead. Because th- all this uh, the big time hardcore soccer fans say that that was the best match on the pitch that they have ever seen. And so Nice Congratulations to the people because who would have expected that in Cutter, right? The, the Cutter thing was an what <laughs> was an unmitigated success. They did a fantastic job of. 
presenting the sport. Now, the ancillary things, people having to live in, like, um, what were they living in? They, uh, hovels? They were living in... Um, like storage bins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the one of they made one of the uh, they made one of the stadiums out of storage bins. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. So if, the, you, if you walk up, you, you saw it from the outside. It was uh-huh. you could see all the different storage bins, and from the inside, okay. though, it just looked like a regular stadium. But I, from the social media I saw there, it was a great experience for a lot of people, and obviously, you couldn't have done better than Messi and uh, and Mbappe for the championship game for the two biggest stars to be the biggest stars on the biggest stage. Have I been saying his name wrong this entire time? What? Mbappe? No. Messi? Messi. It's not Messi. <laughs> Lionel Messi. M E S S I. It's not M E S S Y. It's M E S S I. For a second, I was like, oh my God, I've been screwing this up and no one's ever told me. Messi. Messi. Lionel Messi. You clearly were correct, and Randy is. No, no, Randy's correct, obviously. Lionel Little Train Messi. Speaking of a team, of a league that actually. Uh, has a cup and they do it correctly. That is the NHL and of course the Stanley Cup. Lord they, Stanley. They cup. recently had uh, they recently had an executive meeting. They talked about expanding the the schedule from 82 to 84 games. Maybe a contraction of the preseason in, in relation to that. The thing that was more interesting and Pierre LeBron wrote about this in the Athletic was that there wasn't any conversation about something that's gotten a bunch of traction in the NHL. Which is a play-in tournament. It's already happened in the NBA. So I'll just throw it out to you guys right now. Same thing. The math kind of even even is a little bit better now with the NHL. Sixteen of their thirty-two teams, but is a play-in tournament a smart move for the NHL? Whether that comes with a combination of an expanded regular season or not, I think it'd be great. I really? love I love the NBA play-in tournament. I know the players don't. LeBron, well, I don't. LeBron doesn't because he has to play in it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's great. I don't like the play-in tournament. I, I you know, it, it's it feels too much March Madnessy for me. Uh, you know. The, the the college tournament type of style type of deal, I, I'm not a fan of it, and and I don't know how players how hockey players would feel about it either. I, I know you said the NBA players aren't really fans of of the playing tournament because it, it's the old thing. If you don't like it, play better. This is true. Yeah. But but it's almost we're, we're living in a society. So it was eight teams in the NBA that get to the playoffs, and now you train you you move it to ten teams. It's like oh yeah, you you just played well enough Portland to make it to the 10th seed. But here's the thing, and though, And here Carrie. you go at 41 and 41. We're going to give you a chance. It's kind of like when baseball had the one-game playoff. If you lost, like when the Cardinals lost in the wild card yeah. to the Dodgers, they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, but it still says it made the playoffs yeah, on their, yeah, on their yeah, team they, stats. You didn't really. It just gave you an opportunity. Uh, that's and what, what it I does, mean. Like, it, I don't like that part. Here's the thing. It will provide a. T- it'll be perfect for a team like the Lakers this year, with everybody beat up, and you go in as the, like the nine seed, and you win that, and then you win another game, and then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs with LeBron and AD. Stay close, yeah, but he'll be back. He'll Stay be close. back. He'll be back by then, and then all of a sudden they can. They wouldn't have made the playoffs with a normal eighteen playoffs, but they have a chance with the nine and ten to do it. Okay, well then they shouldn't. If they don't make it to the actual final eight on the east or west side, you shouldn't say you were in the playoffs. Just like That's those sixty eight teams, those four teams that are the play like that. Those. And I think that's the, not a tournament. I think the NBA does that. <laughs> I, I think that they they say no. These were play in games to okay. make the playoffs. There you go. I, I would appreciate. It. It's not the playoffs. The playoffs are a structure. Yep. This playing and tournament is nothing like that. Very rarely is a team going to come out of there and do anything, but it, it is a perfect setup for a team like the Lakers this year. They're they're an example of how they can be benefited. Uh, 
last year the Pelicans could have with Zion coming back. Yeah. So if if you're trampled down by injuries, it gives you an opportunity. That's one of the reasons that I like it. And it get healthy. Yeah. Rod Woodson came yeah. back from tearing yeah. an ACL the same year. You, yeah, right. <laughs> that, that is. Here's the other thing: is for us, it's more games to watch. It is. Uh, now that's good for us, if, as long as they're playing well. Randy, some of the uh, soccer slash football fans in the mm-hmm. text line wanted me to point out that the Champions League, formerly the European Cup, mm-hmm. and the Euro- Europa League, formerly the UEFA Cup, both do have cups as their actual. See, there you go. Thank you, you go. folks. Thanks for but checking in. But it's currently. Now, called- why, why would football fans check in on that? Well, I said soccer slash football fans. Well, why why both? Why not just soccer fans weighing in on that? I don't know what to do. Football. That's my. This is my. This is honestly my biggest thing. I don't know what to do in these situations, <laughs> and that's 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 the pro, That's the only problem I still have with this sport. I, I've I've accepted it. I love it. I'm excited about it. We got the MLS Super Draft coming up, but the 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 having to always. Well. Couch your couch the way you talk about it and things Here's like that. Thing. And somebody's yelling at me. He's like, not, not a fan because of how the games end. That w- that would be like ending a game in regulation at the free throw line, like yeah, a free throw yeah, shootout. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's winning the NBA championship. <laughs> that, that that's why you're frustrated. Yeah. He wants them to play till somebody passes out. Well, like, and that's and if you don't, then you're you're the team desert, that deserves to win. In a desert country, but Matthew. As, <laughs> Matthew, as, as you noted. There are reserves. They're they, bad. They've got yeah, they're rosters. Bad. They're bad at using. But also, I mean, that's always soccer's always going to be that way because slash football is always going to be that <laughs> way. <laughs> okay. Just because of of that factor. I think. Listen, I'm always. I think the substitutions is the dumbest part of about soccer currently. But then again, I understand it. The rationale is that the good teams would be too good because they have such deeper rosters. But then I just watched a World Cup. With Argentina and Brazil and France, teams that have second teams who are all world class players, mm-hmm. and they didn't use all their substitutions when they got were getting extra ones. So I don't if that's the argument. Where are the managers that are going to exploit that argument? Because they're currently not actually in European football, and that's bothersome to me because the open substitutions and that kind of that kind of mm-hmm. level of coaching, it's what makes basketball, football, hockey, it what makes every American sport more interesting. And it, and it, and yep. it kind of kill, kills the interest and, and creates more problems, you know, in, in soccer, as we just talked about. I think so, the thing that makes those sports more interesting is the points being scored. God, <laughs> Carrie... <laughs> There I'm are other saying. things that also do it. I'm, just, I'm focusing on that soccer. one thing. You are just I, all I'm just it. saying. No, no, no. my business today. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying. When people score a lot of points, that tends to, like, that tends to bring to Randy, people. And to your point, listen, we're all talking about the greatest soccer match we ever watched after a 3-3 mm-hmm. game. That was the most. That was super exciting. It wasn't one nothing. There you go. One nil. And, By the way. there were penalty kicks. Uh, 50 years ago, this week. 1972. Bingo. I, I remember listening December to this game on the radio. Chiefs, Dolphins, Municipal Stadium, Kansas City. They played for more than seven hours oh. in the first double overtime game in NFL history. And they didn't end it on field goal they kicks. played for seven hours? Yeah, That's double a overtime. Long game, yeah, longest Randy. game in NFL history. <laughs> and they just kept playing and playing and playing until somebody won under the rules that they play with. Uh, that's a long game. Seven hours mm-hmm. is, is, I can't imagine how those gentlemen felt. On Monday, and you know, and do you know why they played for seven hours and 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 and, and it worked? Because they were in America. 
and, and because after after you after you subbed out that one defensive tackle for the other one, you didn't have to keep playing him the entire freaking game. Uh-huh. Ironically, it was Garo Yepremian, a guy not from America, who hit a 37-yard field goal in double overtime to win it. So if if he could keep playing, so can anybody they. Anybody can. There anybody can. Kickers are people too. Yes, they are. Yeah. Seven hours. They kept playing. It, and it wasn't even the Super Bowl. It wasn't the biggest game. They didn't do it with a field goal kicking contest. But you're telling me they're telling me that the penalty kicks wasn't wasn't fun to oh, watch compelling. in the moment. Compelling. Well, then do you, do you want do you want to play it in the exact 100 percent spirit of the game, or do you want it to be compelling? You know I, what? I would want them to move it back a little bit because you the, want like the, the MLS style run up. It's penalty too. Almost? It's too. It, it, I one? mean, the goalie has to just. Pick a side and guess. And guess. There's no. There's no reaction time. He's guessing, because the the, the kicker is too close, the shooter is too close. I, I move him back a little bit. Give the goalie a, a fair chance to stop it, where he's actually reacting as opposed to guessing. I think you solve a lot of soccer uh, because no. if you if you if you make penalties less easy, then you take then you take away the incentive to flop to the level they. There do. you go. But why? I just fixed soccer. I just, I just did it we, right now. See, we're, again, we're, we're the ugly Americans. I, I think everybody that's else, a, everybody that's else a, in the world say, a, is saying, you know what? Yesterday was the best game I've ever seen. Soccer doesn't need to be fixed. That's what they're saying. Now you're, you if, and I, you, you, you and I are yeah, different animals. You are Argentina, yeah. You and I are different animals, though. They, they know the rules. But again, it. it Every sport in America that that has gone from being that has gone from the doldrums of low ratings and not don't know if they're going to survive, they found a hook that turned things around. Scoring, and a lot of the times it was every scoring. team. I mean, you've had you've had concerns of juiced baseballs to hit yeah, more home runs. Everybody. You've had more pass interference calls, and they've taken out the actual physicality of football, so teams can score more points. The NBA is running three up and down the, the three point line. Everything is added to get more shots up. Everything is added to make people score more points. Here's what I'm getting to, though. At the same time, as that happens, though, we have older players and older older you know writers and stuff talking about them saying well this isn't the sport I grew up this is pathetic all it is is just too easy offense if you had it if you flip if that could be how soccer gets interested but again people are going to hate it cuz the old school people are going to be like well 5 to 4 isn't a, isn't a real soccer game that's this that's these made up rules to to jack up this point scoring so people watch it more which i again i wouldn't hate there you go I'm just saying, we're going we're going to be ugly Americans, and we're going to ruin the beautiful game in a way. And yeah, you know what? Right. Deal with it. That's rock and roll on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we aren't the only ones confused by the blues. The Athletic is, too. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Athletic NHL power rankings are out, and the Blues are not ranked. Uh, so Sean McIndoe, in his piece, <laughs> writes, "Let's check in on the Blues and see if their first month, this first month's most confusing team, has decided to start making any more sense. Runs numbers? Nope. 
Blues kicked off their season by winning three straight, then losing eight, then winning seven, ending that stretch with a mediocre 10-8-0 record without ever being remotely mediocre. They've dialed down the streakiness just a bit since then, but still went 2-7-1 over their next 10, which is very bad. You know things were falling apart when we started getting to the classic side of a team that's collapsing, the hand-wringing about a loss of culture. Craig Berube's job was in danger. Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko were about to be traded. Jordan Bennington was getting shelled in Pittsburgh and New York. Then wandering the parking lots outside local beer leagues looking for goalies to pretend to want to fight. Note to editors, that last part might not be true. Remember to double-check before publishing. So yeah, the Blues stink and their season is over. Right up until they won three straight this week. That's good. Wins are good. But it's the Blues, so they can't just play well and win a few games and leave it at that. Nope. We have to watch them win even though they can't make a line change and screw up their own opening lineup. They also won a game in which they got scored on in overtime. Sure, why not? Really? Commit to the bit, you know? All of this chaos has landed the Blues right at 500 with a 15-15-1 record. That's not good enough for a playoff spot, but not bad enough for them to be out of the mix. They're clearly bad, so they should sell... But they were also a lot worse a few years ago, and they won the Cup. Doug Armstrong is a good GM, and he'll figure it out unless he isn't good anymore. This is the part where I'm supposed to tie all this together and lift the veil on some of our brilliant insight into what's really going on with this team. So, uh... Happy holidays, everyone, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> this explains why none of the athletic people keep answering, don't want to answer my emails. Exactly. Can you explain what's going on in the Blues? And they silently say, no. Nobody knows. No one knows. You can't that, figure them out. Randy, the first thing, do you remember the first thing I asked you when we started the segment, the, the first segment this morning, what I asked you? I asked you, who are they? Who are they? Yep. What are they? What? Who are they? And you, 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 you pretty much gave yeah. me that answer yeah. <laughs> this morning. No one knows. No. We have no clue as to who they are. Um, we have ideas of, of what we think they can be, but we don't know. We want them to to show it every single game or, or at least the effort. You know, the wins will, will come, but the effort showing every single game. But we, we don't know. I mean, here we are, won three games in a row, and I can't tell you with 100% certainty that we won't lose five in a row. The fact that they're unranked in the power rankings tells you all you need to know. And I can say this with confidence that the numbers are telling me this. I have no confidence whether they're actually 100% accurate. Right now, pretty much every blue is worse defensively than they were last year. That's the only thing the numbers are telling me, the only thing that's consistent. But at the same time, then they go out against the Edmonton Oilers, and three times out of like three times this year, they have slowed down the best two of the best three players, two of the best five players, the best player in the NHL. So even when I look at the numbers and they say definitively, 100% 100% we know that pretty much every player right now is not playing as well defensively. And then they do that against the Oilers. Even that just gets kind of thrown out the window. That's amazing. It's just, it, it, that's what makes it entertaining, I guess. It is entertaining. You never know what to expect. This is why I actually think Randy's right in our previous segment about the NHL play in tournament. Because if the NHL well, play in tournament, hold on a second. I'm sorry. If the NHL play in tournament can harness that different style of hockey that the regular NHL playoffs do then I think for a team like the Blues this year, it would be fascinating to see what they looked like in that different atmosphere, even if they weren't necessarily a winning team. See, I'm, I'm, that's, uh, what, that's all I'm saying. is a, a Blues team like this, what do they look like when the actual game does flip that, to that next level? Is it, is it, does it somehow play to their, to, their, to, their, to their strengths, or is it completely outmatch them? I am of the mindset that I don't like 6-6 six and six bowl teams. I don't like <laughs> I get that. teams that, that just scratch claw and, and and crawl their way into the playoff. Like I don't I, because that's, because that's, what's the real what's the real what's the real 
prognosis. What can happen if the Blues were to, if there was a play in, play in tournament? Would they? Would you believe if they were the tenth seed? Let's say they would make it. Or, or the, the eight seed that they would make it into the to, to the to the Stanley Cup final again. You never know. You never know once the playoffs start. I'm not saying this I'm not saying true, the intensity. But you kind of know. I'm not saying you'd have the intensity. I'm saying it changes, and you almost never know. The amount of times that eight seeds and one seeds have completely flipped the script on people in the NHL playoffs is much more common than than say the basketball one. And so. Am I being a little selfish because the Blues are specifically a team that would be in that that era right now? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, if you're not going to be a tanking team, and you're not going to be a top team, then I want to see what happens when 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 you know you get put under the fire a little bit in a play-in tournament. Coming up, uh, 101 ESPN. We'll have our over under results from the weekend, which are not great, and uh, we're also going to have what's on tap as we head toward a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax allegedly here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Friday we do an over-under, and uh, we thought we were going to get better once the college football season ended. Not so much. Uh, Colson Vikings Saturday, the over-under on that game was 47.5. They combined to score 75 points. Kerry picked the over in that game. Grant Francis was in for Matthew. He and I both took the under. So Kerry got it right. We got it wrong. Eagles and Bears, the over-under was 48.5. They went under at 45. Everybody took the over in that game. And uh, we kind of figured that the Eagles might score 40 on their own. Yeah, we did. No such luck. Nope. So at this point, Kerry is uh, one and one. Randy is 0 and 2. Grant is 0 and 2. He's going to, Grant was filling in for Matthew. So, uh, Matthew, you're 0 and 2. Steelers and Panthers, we all went under at 37 and a half. We thought, oh man, they won't get together for 30. And they wound up scoring 40 together. So we all got that one wrong. Cowboys and Jags, the over-under was 48. They combined to score 74 between them. Uh, you picked the over in that one, CD. Congratulations. So did I. So did Grant slash Matthew. So everybody got that one right. Uh, the Bengals and Bucks, the over-under was 44. They combined to score 57. Kerry took the under. I took the over. And Grant took the under. So at the moment here, Kerry is 2-3. and three. And Randy is two and three. After missing the first three, I got the last two. Mm. And Matthew, at this point, is one and four. All right. Uh, Then we had the prop bet in that Bengals-Bucks games for Jamar Chase to score two-plus touchdowns. He scored one. Uh, Kerry said he would not score two. I said he would score two. And Matthew said that he would not score two. So Kerry finishes... Three and three on the week. Both Matthew and Randy go two and four, although I have to take more credit for my two and four than Matthew does for his. Grant, and I thought, it, I thought you we all shared. This week, Randy, yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked my picks. Uh, didn't know a lot about them, but I, I like what happened. And, you know, we're just going to have to look in the mirror at two and four and come back uh, next week a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me if I'm I'm 500 in betting, I'm I'm okay, Rock? 50-50? Yeah. yeah if you, well, I mean, I mean, unless you're doing some really screwy stuff with your units, <laughs> then maybe you somehow found a way to lose money while going 50-50. Uh. But most of the time, if you're, above, if you're 50-50 in betting, you're usually taking some money home. I had to keep that in mind next time I go to the casino. Yeah, or just open up that FanDuel Sportsbook FanDuel app. Sportsbook. When, yeah, I, I, I would say yeah. The I've mindset been, works a lot better. I've been struggling. In I'm I'm kind of high flying with my prop bets. 
I love your prop bets, by the way. I love how wild they you are. You do kind of, you too, you do tend to. He goes and gets say them, yes. You know? Yeah, I do a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like okay, I can put a hundred bucks down and get five seventy out of this or something like that. So that's why I do it. And I, so going five hundred for me is not the, as effective the as biggest going five hundred for most. The biggest thing for me starting to sports bet is like when I was younger and I was first like starting to gamble. I was like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to hit this big plus three ten. But now I just realize it's like if you if if you're really gonna do it, you just got to sit there and just like clear like the little. You just got to clear the the barely the you know making nine ten back you know making seven fifty back on a ten dollar bet. You just right. got to keep stacking those ones up like seven or eight times throughout the football day. You just you're never gonna you're never gonna buy the big teaser that you put in ten bucks to win twenty four grand. Yeah, it happens. It's not gonna happen for you though. <laughs> okay, ESPN, their first night with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman doing Monday Night Football. Does this have to be the most disappointing scheduled game that they could have ever imagined? You figure Rams and Packers at the end of the season, oh man, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And it's going to be terrible. you got Baker Mayfield against a diminished Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the, both teams have tons of injuries. I don't think Aaron Donald is going to play in this he one. He is not. So it's kind of a nothing game. I mean, it, there was no one, no, there was no game to to flex into that Monday night no. either that you could think of. Yeah, I mean, when you set the schedule, you are hoping that the teams that you have set will be what they are on paper. I think a couple of weeks ago, the the Broncos and the um, Chiefs had to flex out yeah, of the right, game out because of because of how poorly the Broncos are playing. You don't, but. You, they still got to call the game. So, you know, they've been preparing for it. They, they'll, they'll still be a good broadcast. They'll still do a good job. And, by the way, this might be the last time you see Sean McVay coaching the Rams on national TV. Really? You think, that, you think this is it? You think he's going to walk away? I think the broadcast booth beckons. I mean, it's a lot less stress. And a, a lot, lot more, more money. money. <laughs> I was going to say, Tony got 17? Yep, 17 and a half. What did Joe just get? And Troy? Yeah, those, uh, yeah, I think Aikman got 18 and a half. Yeah, so. One day a week, and, uh, what, yep. Randy? Well, to, 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 actually, to actually be on the air. Be yeah. on air? Right out of the gate, <laughs> McVeigh. Well, if they were going to give right? Brady 25 at Fox and they replace McVeigh with Brady, 20? then I think he could be 25. Maybe not, maybe maybe 20. If he walks out of the gate making more than, than Aikman, that's. Yeah, but but that's that's just like free agency. Is, yeah, that's the way the market is. Yeah, God, that'd be insane. The problem is, is that there's that competition this year. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their guys now. They're all set. So still, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Fox would give them twenty. It's a lot of money. They, I guess Brady might play next year. It's looking that way, and I, yeah. I if I were him, I would make a decision and on that sooner rather than later. Listen, Romo, Romo's still great, but the f- and everyone called it. When you're one year out of the league as opposed to five years, your ability to like call those like Romo year one and two, he was calling plays out before yeah. they happened because yeah. he, he was still had everything in the league in, in his brain. Right, right. And now he's still good, but he doesn't do it as often. That very first year, McVay, he's going to be doing that stuff too. He's just going to be calling stuff out before we ever see it. Yeah, who's right. the best for me is Pat Summerall and, and John Madden. That's the best pairing best ever. Best duo. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was. For me, it was it was you listened to them and you felt like you got smarter. You know what was great was Al Michaels at his best with Dan Deardorff. Yeah, those guys together on Monday Night Football were sensational. You want to um, have yourself a really bad day? Show a kid younger than like twenty four a Pat Summerall clip. It'll make you want to throw a chair through a window. Okay. I've done it multiple times, and they just go, "Oh, that's all he did. He doesn't sound like he's actually very good. He's just like yeah. he's kind of boring." And I'm like, "I will, <laughs> I will slap you if you do not leave he's this room right job. now." Don't, don't did slap you him. just do what I think you just said? 
Yeah, don't don't slap them. Just try to educate them. I, I try, Randy. I try. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Hey, pleasure. Uh, CD, this was fun. It has been fun. <laughs> My man. My man. Yeah, he's still, you, need, you need to put me in charge of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take charge of this soon. My problem is I have it in the system. I just don't have it on the dang. The dang awkward keys. silence yep. for a half a second. Yep. Ollie Marmol, 9.15 tomorrow. Make sure you got that one in your calendar in the phone. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. So I switched to Boost Mobile and got this free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Why do you think they call it the Galaxy? Maybe because the Samsung Galaxy A23 has a huge screen. And galaxies are huge gravitationally bound systems of stars rotating around a supermassive black hole. And the phone is free? When you switch to Boost Mobile. Cool. You lost me at gravitationally bound. Switch to Boost and get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. Limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only. Excludes tax. One device offer per line. Only available on certain networks. 5G not available everywhere. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details.